All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Nassau Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I'm your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart. You know it. It's Brother Marty Leeds. Welcome. Thank you all for being here this morning. It's a cold one this morning. I might have to turn the heat around. We're still in a tent in a shed, which will hopefully change by next weekend. We should be in our yurt, in our yurt. And so, but I may have to turn the heater on during halfway through this because it's cold. So it's off right now because I don't want the background noise, but that's cool. So anyway, thank you all for being here this morning. Really appreciate everybody that shows up uh, for Sunday services. We love it. We love doing it. So uh, today we are going to do, we're going to continue on with Matthew chapter 24, Tribulation and the World Age Doctrine. This is number 93 of the Sunday services. And this is a really long chapter and it's great. I mean, I say this a lot. I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but this is a long chapter and there's so much going on in this chapter, and there's a lot of explaining to do with some of the, the really crazy cryptic statements that are made in this, so we're going to launch right into it as we do. Um, this, is one, this one should be good. This one should be good. So, okay, let's do a prayer. Almighty God, our help and refuge, source of wisdom and tower of strength, you know I can do nothing without your guidance and help. Help me and direct me to divine wisdom and power that I may ac- accomplish this task and whatever I may undertake to do faithfully and diligently according to your will, so that it may be profitable to myself and others and to the glory of your holy name. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are all yours, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Okay, so like I said, we're going to jump into, uh, we're only four chapters done here. There's 28 chapters in Matthew. We're on 24. So uh, pretty excited about that. That's pretty awesome. Um, so nice work, all the people that have been following along and paying attention. That's freaking awesome. I can't believe I'm doing Bible study online and I actually get people to follow this. So esoteric Bible study online and people actually watch. It's amazing. So thank you all for doing so. I want to say something today. Um, the core, we're, what we're going to be reading in Matthew 24 as, and what's going on today, the correlations as to what's happening currently and the prophecy in Matthew 24 are quite strong. As I was reading this, it basically, this took me a really long time to put together, probably about over, you know, probably about three days. I worked it on it here and on, off and on and off that, you know, that sort of thing. But, and I kept coming back to the fact that it's like, look, uh, there's so much that's being said in these verses that can be, re- you know, related to actually like literally what's going on today. So um, we're going to cover some of them. Um, and as we go, there's just no getting around it. And I think you'll see what I mean when, when we keep going. Um, so let's just jump into it and let's go. Matthew 24, number one. So I'm going to read the first three uh, lines here and then we're going to, as we do, go back and, and start picking these apart. What this whole chapter is about is actually the world age doctrine. It's about the cycles of time, patterns of time, uh, the eon, the ages, that sort of thing. And we'll cover all of this today, explain what it is and why it's important and where we find it in the world and that sort of thing. But as we're going to see, this, this whole uh, chapter is really about like tribulation and end times and the end of the world and all this other stuff. And we're going to cover all of that today. Okay, so, um, so let's do it. 24.1, and Jesus went out. And departed from the temple, and his buildings came, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto him, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? 
Okay, so let's go back. And first we, first we see that what we're going to see is that um, Jesus is ultimately talking about what the disciples are asking about and what Jesus is ultimately going to be describing is cycles of patterns of destruction and recreation is really what it is. So this is really what we mean by the world age doctrine. Like I said, we'll go into all of this. So, But as we're, as we're talking about a cycle and pattern of time, we also need to realize that there is a correlation to our own spiritual you know, our own spiritual trajectory, as, as I say, our own spiritual quest. So as much as we're saying, talking about things of, or, you know, orders of, of time and ages and that sort of thing, we're also going to be seeing that all of this stuff is also going on internally with us, within us. These, these things happen, and we'll go over that. So the first thing we're seeing is that the language is like a, it's like a double, it's a double meaning, as it always is, right? So Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for, to show him the buildings of the temple, and, and Jesus said, hey, you see these things? And, lots of, and he went and sat on the Mount of Olives. Okay, so let's just go cover this whole thing. First off, we know when we talk about the temple, that the temple of the human body is, number one, reflective of the, the temple of the whole thing. And that the temple of the human body and the heavens and the earth combined are all made by who? What? The Demiurge. No, God Almighty. God Almighty made top and bottom, left and right, up and down, heavens and earth, the human body. And the human body is the temple that reflects the entire thing. This is what we cover a lot. And this is, of course, this is Acts 7, uh, 48, 49. Howbeit, the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. And that is a specific verse to say, hey, Christ resides within you, as we know, right? This is the Axis Mundi. This is what we talk about all the time, that the temple of the earth and the human temple are reflective of one another, okay? So we're going to see here that, and, you know, and so in other words, your spinal column is reflective of the, the, the central staff within the entire earth, okay? So we're going to see here that Jesus went out, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives. And he talked about, it was like, hey, there's not one stone down in this material world that's not going to be thrown down. So first thing he does is what? Jesus goes out of the temple, in this sense, it's like going up and out of, I'll show you this in just a second, up through the pole star, up and out of the whole thing, and in this sense, looking down upon the earth, if in this sense. And he goes and sits on the top of the Mount, Mount of Olives. He goes and sits. Well, when you sit, what is the, where, where do you sit on? You sit on, in this sense, your sacral bone, your triangular-shaped bone at the bottom of your spinal column. And we know that this whole process is all about what? Raising the energy up, your system, all the way up to the top, the areas, the polaris, to the top of your head. So to, literally to undergo what would be apotheosis, enlightenment, so you could get up and out of here, this sort of thing, right? So he sat on the top of the mountains over, looking over the temple, and he sat down on his sacrum, on his triangular bone. And that is literally where, in this sense, where the energy of your, your spinal column, right, starts from that sacrum and heads all the way up to your Aries. And we're going to cover all of that today. The, as, we, as we show a time and time again, again, again and again, story after story after story, verse after verse, chapter after chapter, the entire thing is about this. It's about your spiritual ascension process. It's about the transformation, transubstantiation of the soul. And it's all about taking that energy, transmuting it up, passed through, through those lion's gates, and up into the Aries, into the into the the ram, okay, and that's what we're going to see. This is exactly what he's talking about. So Jesus says here, he says, "Hey, I'm going to go up to the top of the temple, and I'm going to sit on the Mount of Olives, and we'll get to that in just a second. And I'm going to look down, and I'm saying, hey, man, guess what? There's not going to be one stone left down there that shall not be thrown down. Everything down in the earth, in the material realm, will be destroyed." Well, this is, in order to understand what he's saying, you have to under, what you need to do is actually stop by the Nostra Church Academy of Lord Jesus Christ because we talk about it all the time. What he's describing is our actual experience and our cosmology. 
And so what he's, what he's saying is, hey, I'm going to go to the tippy top of the entire temple of the earth, of the, the entire realm experience that we're in and look down. And I'm going to say, hey, everything down in the material realm, all those stones that man put on top of each other, it's, all of them at some point are going to be thrown down. They're, never gonna, they're, they're not going to exist forever, in other words. Why? Well, because we know that what is down here on earth in this material realm, right, in this space of, space of consciousness, in this realm, and whatever you want to call it, is corruptible. It's temporary. What Jesus is saying is just something that we talk about all the time. Yeah, everything down here is temporary. It's fleeting. It's passing. It's gone like a fart in the wind, you know, that sort of thing. So, so Jesus is up at the top of the temple of the mountain. He's looking down at the earth and he's being like, hey, everything down there, it's corruptible. It's temporary. Even the Great Pyramid of Giza at some point will be a, 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 a you know, dust and rubble into the ground. That's what he's saying. And it's true. Of course, it's Christ. So what does Christ do? He goes up. Now we have to understand our cosmology. As we, as we just covered it, it's like, hey, we understand that upstairs is the incorruptible, downstairs is the corruptible, upstairs is the metaphysical, downstairs is the physical. Jesus went up and he sat on the top of the Mount of Olives, which is the, the mountain in this sense, the Mount of Olives in the center that leads you right up to the Polaris. And he sat down and he looked at the temple and he sat on his sacrum bone because he's going to tell you about the process of raising that energy all the way up your spinal, into your spinal column into your head. So there's the temple, which is reflective of the human body. He went up and out of the thing, and he's going to look down, and he's going to tell you about the cycles of time in which those celestials, that celestial sphere, or what we understand as a sphere, what we symbolize it as a sphere, I should say, that, that, that the, the spinning ages of the stars around Earth. And the Mount of Olives, we know, is it's the Judean desert to the east right there. That'll, that'll be revisited in this, this chapter as well. But it separate, the Mount of Olives separates the most holy place, the Temple Mountain, from the Judean desert to the east. So he went up to the top of the Temple Mount. This is where Jesus, you know, literally received, you know, in, in, or, uh, you know, went up to heaven in that sort of sense, right? This is the place which Jesus Messiah ascended into heaven. So he went up there, ascended into heaven, Polaris, and looked down upon the earth that is going to all fall away and all deteriorate at some point, and he's telling us exactly what's going on, okay? And so then they asked, he said, hey man, Jesus, 24-3, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives and disciples came to him privately saying, hey, tell us when these things shall be. When is this time when everything's going to be destroyed? And what shall the sign of thy coming? What, what, the sign, of course, is a constellation, right? We know it's constellational, so we'll cover that. And of the end of the world, right? And so he's talking about the end of the world. Well, specifically what he is talking about is the world age doctrine. This is something we've repeated. We've talked about a lot. A lot. Um, and it's basically the notion that the world or the cosmos is a living thing. And it undergoes stages of development, Okay. Just as, just as the seasonal cycles, we go through the, you know, the sun goes through its cycles in the seasons, the, the world age goes through cycles as well. And this is something that has been touted by, you know, cultures around the world. Um, you know, I'll show you a few here. Um, but basically that, yeah, it was like the Mayans, you know, had this, the Greeks had this, the Indians had this, you know, dots and feathers, both of them, you know, so depending on the tribe and that sort of stuff, absolutely believed in the turning of the ages. We have Hopi prophecies. Now, of course, the prophecy might be different here and there, but what is the common theme? What is the underlying theme? What is the golden thread that when we do comparative mythology and we look around the world, and we say, hey, what's the commonality here? What are the commonality is here is there's people, you know, across the world are saying, shit, dude. There's cycles of, of, uh, of, or patterns or cycles of destruction and recreation. 
Okay? Now, Christians see the end of the world and they see it as the rapture, as if it's literally just like Christ is going to come and then take the 144,000 or whatever the hell it is, and then next thing you know, everything is gone. It's a poof, it's just like a white screen now. And, a, and that's not what the, the rapture is all about. In fact, the rapture ultimately is Jesus is talking about this specific time in which there will be a um, harvesting of souls, okay? There, literally, that there will be a mass death. Now, we should not be being like, what? what? Well, why would God allow this? It's no different than the seasonal cycles, right? What happens in winter? Shit dies. Some animals don't make it. Leaves fall from the trees. You don't see bugs anymore. All the stuff vanishes. Well, that's just part of the cycle. So when we talk about world age cycles, we talk about cycles of golden ages and iron ages and that sort of thing. Well, we have to recognize that there's going to be a point in which what? Evil reigns supreme. We're going to be, we're going to be away from God. We're going to be away from source. It's almost like right now, kind of, if you will, right? And then there's going to be times when we're closer to him. That's just how the cycle works. So Jesus is literally just saying this. Now, Christians don't understand the world age doctrine. And so henceforth, they sit there and wait for literally the end of all of eternity, like all of earth and materiality, and it's all gone. That's not what the rapture is about, okay? And this is really what the world age tells you is that all you have to do is look around your entire world and everything above you in the heavens is doing what? It's cycling. Okay, it's cycling. The sun is doing its cycles. The, uh, the moon is doing its cycles. Venus is doing its cycles. Then all of a sudden it reflects down to us. And what happens to us? We, we go through cycles, right? Women have their menstruation cycles that actually brings people onto earth. Okay, so everything becomes a cycle. But for some reason, Christians, because they lost this knowledge, because they lost this gnosis, they think, I've been overusing the Drake meme lately, I know. But, you know, they, they think it's the top. What people without faith, that are supposed to have faith, think about life on earth. It's just going to go down and down. It's ever going to everything's just going to keep going to shit and it's just all going to fall apart. That's zero faith. That's, that's living a life as if there is no creator, there is no intelligence, there is no God that actually loves us and cares for us and it actually has a hand in this thing. There is. Spoiler alert. Okay, so people, what most Christians think, the rapture is all going to go to a shit and then Jesus is going to grab a few of us because I read my Bible or some shit and then that's it. No, no. What people without faith think about life on earth it's all going downhill. What's really going on? And we all know what the, the, the symbolism of birth. There's a, there's a process of pain. It's trepidatious. You get scary, that sort of stuff. But what, what comes from that? A new birth, okay? And this is what the world age is all, all about when we talk about the cycles, that there's going to be a pattern of destruction. There's going to be a pattern. There's, there's going to be a time of destruction. There's going to be a time of suffering. We don't even need the Bible just to know this, all we have to do is literally look to our heavens, look to our experience. What is the, what is the day and night cycles? What is the high tide, low tide cycles, season cycles? Why would we assume that there would be cycles of, uh, not cycles of destruction and creation? We know, once again, we don't need our Bible to figure this out. I think people are starting to realize this. We can prove the world age doctrine through archaeology. Archaeology proves the fact that, guess what? There has been different cycles. There's been different ages and eons. And the, word, the term world actually is a specific, that word specifically is, is a mention to this. Just look, what happened to those Aztecs? They built all that crazy shit, temples to the sun and the moon, Teotihuacan and blah, 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 right? And they obviously flourished. And then what happened? Con. What happened to those freaking, all the, the mound builders, all the way up from literally where we lived up in, you know, you know, northern Wisconsin. They had mounds up there all the way down. You follow it all the way down to you know, Mississippi. You got mounds down there. You go to New, New Orleans. You got mounds over there. You go to Serpent Mound. You go to Cahokia. Mounds everywhere. What happened to them? Gone. 
How about the ancient building projects that were, you know, a lot of these like Tartarian, quote unquote, researchers, mud flood, quote unquote, researchers, they're starting to really like, you know, analyze this and be like, look at all these old buildings. What happened to them? I don't know. It's, it was an old age that's now no longer and we don't remember anything. So we see this all over in archaeology. Archaeology tells us there are patterns of destruction and creation. Look at the megachurches then. Talking about the world age doctrine, megachurches then, megachurches now. Mega churches then, when it was obviously building was <laughs> a divine art and intention and beauty and artistry and, you know, uh, intelligence and care went into every single thing. And then you got this shit, this pile of dog shit. And that's what it is. And that's what we're going to be saying here at the Nostra Church Academy because that's what it is. A lot of these people think that they're one of the 144,000 and they don't even understand, you know, the basics of, of the world age doctrine. One of the things that's going to be mentioned in this chapter, and then, then we'll move on, is, the, is Noah, the flood. Well, once again, we don't need our Bible to understand that there was, there was absolutely at some point a flood throughout history, right? Look around the world. Do you know how many flood myths there are? Literally hundreds around the world in different islands, places everywhere. Hawaiian, Hopi, Norse, Aztec, Inca, you know, Greek, Sumerian, Aboriginal cultures all over the world, just Chinese, you know. You, you, uh, consistently, you have a flood myth. And what, and what did they say in that flood myth? There was a worldwide destruction, and then there was what? Well, after that, there was a process of the recreation of the earth. And that's exactly what we're in right now. Jesus is here coming to tell us the message that that shit's going to happen again. Um, I, I just want to hammer this point home a little bit, okay? There's a number of unbelievable research, like writers and researchers and that sort of stuff that actually specifically talk about this. One of them being James Joyce. James Joyce is uh, one of my favorite authors. And one of the things he talked about literally in the beginning of his book called Finnegan's Wake is literally the World Age Doctrine. And his, the entire book of Finnegan's Wake is literally, it, it, when you read it, what it is is all of the World Ages smashed into one story. And that's why it's crazy to read. He, he uses different language. He's like, he smashes, you know, different time periods together. He's got different characters, but it's all one story. And, what, and the, the brilliance, the absolute fucking brilliance of, of James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake is that he's telling the world age story of, of basically man's redemption through these ages and that sort of stuff. And they're all, co you know, collapsed into one. This is the beginning of, of, of James Joyce. Uh, river run past, oh, I'll read it like a, an Irishman. River, river run past even Adams from swerve of shore to bend of bay brings us by a commodious vicus of recirculation back to Howth Castle and environs. Sir Tristan by Lord the Moors from Morda Short Sea had passing Corrie arrived from North Arm Morakar on his side, and this side of the scraggy isthmus of Europe Minor to wielder fight in his peninsulate war, right? You, the book starts in the middle of a sentence. The sentence started at the end of the book. This is the end of the book. Where there's where first we pass through the Behoshkas, but wish gul gul blah 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 blah. Lips the key to giving away alone, a last a love along the river run past even Adams from Swerve of Shore to Bend the Bay brings us by a commodious of Vicus recirculation. Recirculation. This is the first page of Finnegan's Wake, and do you know what he's talking about? Do you know what brings us by a commodious vicus of recirculation? He's, he's referencing Jean-Baptiste Vico. Jean-Baptiste Vico, I don't know if you guys know this guy, but he wrote Scienza Nuova, the new science in 1725, and his whole book was on the World Age Doctrine. <laughs> Literally. He attempts a systematic organization of the humanities as a single science that recorded and explained the historical cycles by which societies rise and fall. The entire thing was a science based on the world age doctrine that's what we do at the Nostra church and academy that's what i'm going to be explaining today 
So the first page, he says, uh, Commodius of Vicus, that's Jean-Baptiste Vico. Recirculation, because he's talking about cycles of time. Rearrived from North Armorica. We already know that p- people were here, that this, that America that we understand now has been probably settled and there's a you know, flood and then resettled and then, you know, all that sort of thing. We've se- we see it in the archaeological record right now. Okay? And that's what the World Age Doctrine is all about. James Joyce, absolutely fucking brilliant. Absolutely fucking brilliant. The only good, one of the only good things that came out of Ireland. There's not much that good that's come out of Ireland. Guinness, James Joyce, and then uh, St. Patrick when he threw the Jews out of Ireland. Or the, the, I'm sorry, the snakes out of Ireland. So the world, the term world, they, they're, the disciples are coming to Jesus. This is going to be a long one, by the way. Disciples coming to Jesus and asking us, hey, when is the end of the world? That's, what they, that's the term that he uses. And he says, what is the world in etymology? Well, it's human existence. It's the affairs of life. It's a long period of time. It's the human race. It's not the physical, material world that you're looking at. It's literally, the, in this sense, the existence of human affairs and the time period. It's the zeitgeist. If you even look at world, it says age of man from age. Now look at world phonetically. World, which it does what? To go around, spin, circle, ring, round, crown. Of course. So when they say, when is the end of the world going to be? In this sense, right? Well, there is going to be at the end of the world age, and then there'll be a start of another one, as we'll see the Bible tells us that as well. But there, and there will be an age of destruction, but they're not saying, oh, it's just all going to poof it up and vanish, and then that's it. No. In fact, the word itself is telling us, go round, spin. It's a cycle. This is world and world. And so Jesus is literally on the top, as we said, they're like, hey, Jesus went out and he sat on the Mount of Olives, he sat on the te- overlooking the temple, and he's saying everything down there is impermanent and temporary, and it's all going to go away, and this is the end of the world, and this is literally what happens on Polaris. <laughs> that's, a, that's a time lapse of Polaris. That's the world, okay? This is the zeitgeist. We are in our own little zeitgeist right now, and right now I think, all, I think collectively we would all probably agree. We'd all hold hands and say amen and say <laughs> our zeitgeist is kind of fucked up, isn't it? Things are kind of screwed up right now, and hence why we're going to see so many correlations to what's happening in Matthew chapter 24 here. Zeitgeist is the defining spirit or move of a particular period of history. It's a defining spirit or mood of a particular period of history. What was going on in the 1850s is not going on now. And what's what's going to be happening in 2100 is not what's going to be happening right now. That's because there will be a new world age. This is what happens. It's always moving, twisting, turning, evolving. God likes to keep it fresh, in other words, <laughs> right? Zeit meaning time is German. Zeit meaning time and Geist meaning spirit or ghost. It's the time of the spirit, the spirit of the times, okay? So when you hear, um, and I've had some issues with this with a certain person, I don't want to talk about it, but when you hear religious people saying death to the world, they're not saying death to all of materiality, just forego it and abandon it. It's all created by the demiurge. That's not what's being said. They're saying death to the world, which is people that live in what? The particular passions and, and mood, and, and they're concerned themselves of the things of the time, not the eternal truths and the love of Christ. They're concerned them, with themselves of the zeitgeist of the time. And this is what, when, when, a, when a religious person says death to the world, they're not saying death to your experience or death to all of physicality. They're saying exactly what St. Isaac the Syrian said here. The world is the general name for all the passions, 
When we wish to call the passions by a common name, we call them the world. So you say your death to your passions. You want to transmute, as mainly Palmer Hall said, you want to transmute that passion into compassion. The passions are the following, love of riches, desire for possessions, bodily pleasure from which comes sexual passion, love of honor which gives rise to envy, lust for power, arrogance and pride of position, the craving to adorn oneself with luxurious clothes, clothes and vain ornaments, the itch for human glory, which is the source for rancor and resentment and physical fear. Where these passions cease to exist, the world is dead. We all preach death to the world. Death to the world, absolutely, because we're not going to be hung up on what? The envy of people and the lust for power and sexual passion and, and arrogance and pride. No, we're going to live humbly and meek. So this is what he's saying. When is that, you know, in this, in this, when is that world age going to end, right? This is also, I want to really hammer this home so we can make this point. This is exactly what, what it means in the whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of men. The phrase the God of this world or the God of this age indicates that Satan is the major influence on the ideas, opinions, and goals, which is exactly what's happening right now. Last chapter, Jesus just ranted and raved against the Jews, and one of the things he says is, you, you psychopaths, I'm going to paraphrase here, right? But you psychopaths, you compassed land and sea and proselytized Satanism, making all these people two more of child of hell than you. That's going on in our world right now. Name one government agency or whatever that does not have a, let's just say, a Israeli influence in it. Good luck. Okay? After Jesus spends all chapter 23 ranting and raving against the Jews, then he says, well, there's going to be a tribulation. There's going to be a time of suffering. And this is what it means, death to the world. Is not to, this is what it means when you say death to the world. It's saying not tossed about by the winds of doctrines because those winds of doctrines, they come with the world. Okay? No, you want to look past, in this sense, look past the world and look to the eternality, which is Christ, and he's always in the present. That we thenceforth be no more children, and that's what I see a lot today, spiritual children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of the doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. The lying and the deceiving, that happens in the world. That happens in the world, okay? So that's what, he's at, that's what these disciples are asking about, okay? <clears throat> Tell us when shall these things be? And he's going to say, well, no man knows but the Father. And he says, what shall be the sign of thy coming? We're going to find out that that's Aries, the lamb, the ram. And, 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 when, you know, and this is, when is the end of the world? And ultimately, he's going to tell them about the world age doctrine, okay? And then he says this. Because he's saying, forget about the world, death to the world. What you want to do is put your focus on God, God Almighty. Because that's the eternal truth, that's the light and the love that, that will always be there, no matter how the world's turning. Okay? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, because that's who deceives you. Men. Men deceive you. Men fill your ear, full, ear holes full of all sorts of bullshit, all sorts of ideas and theories, and you go this way and that way, and that, that's not what Gnosticism is all about. It's about, as we know, listening to God, always following what God has to say, and not concerning ourselves with the opinions and thoughts of men. And he says this, Jesus answered and said unto him, Kama, take heed that no man deceive you. This is the words right from the mouth of Christ. In our good book, and what does this mean? What does this say? Take heed that no man deceive you. We're going to do some math today. That equals 105 in English gematria. Seven words. 27 letters. Do you know how many bones are in the human hand? 27. Do you know what your hands are composed of? The triangulation of the number seven. 
Do you know how do you know how many phalanges you have on that one hand? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. And you add them up, it's a hundred and five. Take heed that no man deceive you. What is Jesus doing? He's in this sense, he's putting his hand out and he's saying, Stop. Stop. Stop listening to the shit that's making you spin around in your head. Stop listening to all of these people that are filling your ear holes full of bullshit. Stop listening to the, I'm going to sign up at Wafer Freedom Truth Sovereign Movement PatriotMovement.com. It's all going to fail. All those stones will be cast down. There's only one thing that's going to last, and that's Christ. Christ's saying this, and the very words, he's saying, stop. Take heed that no man deceive you. Follow the light. And that'll get you out of the world. Earth, by the way, why there is a world age doctrine is the earth is, a, is the soul's testing ground, right? So as we know, we could talk about this for days and hours and stuff like that. There needs to be trials and tribulations. There needs to be an ebb and a flow. There needs to be an up and a down. There needs to be creation and destruction. Now that you understand that, well, we say, wait a second, wait a second. Isn't that the whole message of the Trinity in the first place? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. As we exhaustively talk about it, the Gnostic Church Academy of Lord Jesus Christ and rail on the fact that Christians don't understand the basics of their Trinity. The Trinity itself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost tell us about what? That there's transformation, there's, there's creation, you know, transformation, destruction, creation, and what? The eternal presence of Christ. And so the earth is the soul's testing ground. There needs to be the high tides and low tides. There needs to be summer, there needs to be winter, there needs to be world ages in order for man to, in this sense, get lost so he could become found. Matthew 24, 5. For many, and this is when we talk about, once again, we look at the, the world that we live in right now. <laughs> I don't know. Seems to be ringing a lot. It seems to, seems to be ringing true. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. What, is this, what does this mean? First off, let's do some more gematria. Let's do some more gematria. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I put it large on the screen there, circled it, you know, uh, highlighted it so everybody could see. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. That gematria equals 184. That's going to come up, that very number is going to come up again in this chapter. The last verse of the Bible is this. You can open up your King James and, and read it yourself. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It's literally the last verse of Revelation. Do you know what that gematria total is? It's 184. It's 184. So we ask, what? well, number so who gives a shit, Marty? What, why is that important? Why is 184 important? For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. There's going to be a lot of people that come and say, I, I got the way and the truth in life. I know Christ. I'm a Christian. I've been doing this this whole life, and I know about it. And I'm going to tell you about it. And they're going to be one of those people that are the men that are trying to deceive you. And what Jesus is saying, there's not going to be many that will, there's going to be very few that actually have the whole story. The whole story. Do you know what 184 is? Once again, why math becomes so important here. Why 184 is important? It's just look at the principle or the, the divisors of it. It's properties. It equals 360. The number 184 leads you directly, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, to the number 360. So here we have, and we'll see it again in this chapter. For many shall come in my name saying, uh, I, I know Christ. I am Christ. Which is basically saying what? Christian. And I'll show you that in just a second. I'm Christian, and I know the way. I've got the way and the truth in life. Have you taken Jesus as your personal Savior? That kind of shit. 
184, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. 184 leads you right to 360. There's not going to be many that have the whole story, in other words. Christ, Christ I am. There's going to be many that come and say, Christ I am. Is, it literally is just Christian. By the way, all of that's the same math. I'm not going to cover that now. But Christ I am, Christian, and Christ I am, literally the same math, same, same sort of thing, right? We all, we, obviously, we all have Christ within us, right? So and what we're going to see is that there's going to be many people that say, lo here and lo there. Oh, it's not over there and it's not over here. Actually, one God, Father and of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Christ is everywhere. As we teach, there's only one church. As we teach. When they come with Christ and deceive many, it's because they're not actually coming with the eternal truths of Christ. They're coming with an opinion on scripture and beliefs, and they will end up deceiving you. As, I, as I've said, literalism and fundamentalism at this point is a mind spell. And it's deceiving many, just like it's saying. 24-6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Wait, what? Isn't that, it seems like it's kind of going on now. See that ye be not troubled. Don't, don't trouble yourself with it. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end, oh, the end, the end of the world age is not yet. All these things must come to pass, just like what? You can't have a you can't have a solar year without winter, right? So there, as you're going to see in this chapter, there's going to be people that are being like, "No, Jesus, don't bring the winter." And Jesus says, "I got to bring the winter. It's part of the whole plan." But don't trouble yourself because if you actually follow with me, I will. It's like that. It's like that cheesy footsteps thing that all those like. <laughs> all those like women that have in their, you know, that they watch Oprah and then they, you know, like they have that footsteps thing where it's like Jesus, uh, like, oh, why was it only one track in the sand? It's because then it was I carried you, which is actually really, really nice and cool, but it's kind of cheesy at the same time. It's that sort of thing. Don't be troubled. I'll carry you through it. He says wars and rumors of wars. Well, rumors of wars, what is a rumor? A currently circulating story of uncertain or doubtful truth. So there's going to be wars. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. In other words, what are they saying? Rumors of wars would in this be what? False flags, right? Literally lying about, like, did you hear? Israel, there was 20 dead children that were completely disemboweled by Hamas. Really? Really? Now, was there 20 dead children in the Gaza Strip? Yeah. 20. That's an that's a un unbelievably low number, but I think you understand what I'm saying here. So, rumors of wars. Lies. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. It's like, what is basically what is being said here? That evil is going to spread its tentacles across the world. There's going to be some point in your world age doctrine in, in which what? Depending on, of course, which world age you're in, but that there, there will be a creation and then ultimately destruction. That destruction will what? That's when people have lost sight of God. If not put it as the, as, the, as the cornerstone, if you will, ooh, you like what I would use there, the cornerstone of their life. And so therefore that goes out of their life and what happens? Evil is allowed to spread. Just like it said last chapter, just like Jesus was railing against last chapter, you, you, you encompass the land, see and, you know, land and sea and proselytize your Satanism. And hence why you'll find when this happens, oh, there's pestilences and earthquakes and divers, divers means various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. 
once again, it's like, whoa, my God, like, well, do, you know, what? Well, no, this is just exactly what the world age tells us. At some point, there's going to be a golden age. In the golden ages, there's still, e yes, there's still evil there. But what is the, is Satan uh, dominating the hearts and minds of people in the golden age? No. It's where good takes precedent, where people understand, you know, the, the power of God and, and what we're doing here and the purpose of earth and the purpose of man, that teleology and all of that stuff is, is cemented in their hearts and minds. Then there's going to be a time in the Iron Age, just like all of these cultures have told us, that there's going to be destruction, where evil will take precedent. Which one do you think we're in now? Take a wild stab in the dark. <laughs> I think everybody knows. Then they shall deliver you up to the afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Your na his name's sake. What is his name? It's truth. It's beauty. It's light. It's eternal life. It's, it's God's will. There's going to be a time where, peop where if you're a Christian and you're there promoting truth, you'll be attacked. Huh. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> Does it sound familiar right now? Right? This is... Um, one of the statues that we saw in Worms, I think it was, Germany. And it says this, it's a, it's a translation that says, whoever understands Christianity rightly, no human charter will be able to take them captive. Why? Because their, their soul is free. They are free, not according to the flesh. Because guess what? When you're down here, there's a chance that if you are speaking truth, that they're going to come after you. They'll deliver you up to the afflicted and they shall kill you and, they shall, and you, they'll, they'll hate you because you're spreading truth and light and that overturns their bullshit. That shows that the God that they've been following is not the almighty God. And you'll be attacked for this. And that's why Jesus said, and that's why we're given in Ephesians what? The war, the, 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 you know, the, the breastplate of truth and the feet shod with the gospel of peace and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's why we're given, a, you know, a, you know the, 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 the armor of God to be warriors. Whosoever understands Christianity rightly, no human charter will be able to take them captive because they are, they are free in their soul and their spirit. They are free not according to the flesh, but according to the conscience. And then, in this time, many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Once again, when I was doing this, I, I, I just can't help but say, well, it's like, Jesus, a lot of that seem, shit seems to be going on right now. And once again, I don't, I don't know if this was going on 150 years ago, 200 years ago, to, with the intensity that it is currently. You can just Google this. It's like, what's one of the things that we always talk about? Safe spaces. And now everybody is offended right now. Why do, why, why do people get so offended these days? I feel like I can't say shit without somebody being offended at the smallest thing. What happened to our culture? Why is everyone so easily offended? Welcome to the thin-skinned generation where everybody is a bloody problem. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Well, hate one another. Look at all the strained relationships from COVID. Remember that? Tore up families. That's, that's in other parts of the Bible, too. We won't go there today. Relationships during the pandemic. COVID has strained couples, families. And it was all, all brought to us by the entire, that entire thing was engineered. Correct? By who? Not Christians. <laughs> Not Palestinians. Right? The impact of COVID-19 pandemic on a family well-being. Coronavirus briefing. COVID family feuds. 
Everybody's going to hate one another. Everybody's going to be easily offended. Everybody's going to tear at each other. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Well, once again, I think we've seen that literally in our time. How about that guy on the left and how about that fucking chump on the right? How many people, how many people followed these guys like they were literally Christ on earth? There's, look at the MAGA retards now. The, you know, look, if you're political, you're not following this church, so I can say that. L look at them. They're still like, oh, Donald Trump. L liar, absolute, you know, working with some of the most psychopathic, supremacist, racist people you could possibly think of. Uh, you know, just a complete scam artist. And what about the guy on the right? Old, old dark-skinned, humbled man from Hawaii. Who's, who's obviously not from Hawaii, right? You ever seen his birth certificate? I have. <laughs> anyway, um, neither one of the literally just full-time liars and, and actors. And people followed them like they were literally going to save humanity in America. Neither one of these guys had any intention ever of helping you or this country or bringing Christ back to earth. There's politics. How about the, how about when you look at the, the Christian you know the Christian world? Some of the biggest churches we saw the mega churches back then and now. These are the kind of chumps. These are the kind of absolute deluded fools that are filling those churches right now. Right now, not having a damn clue, literally what any of the Bible means, what it says. And because iniquity, which means immorality, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Once again, do I even need to say anything? When we, we look at the current times or what we are in, and, we're, and, and Jesus is specifically talking about a time in which there will be destruction, that sort of thing. Now, does that mean it's going to happen in the next year, 100 years, 200 years? No, I have no idea. It could get a lot worse than this right now. But as we know, world age is not just a specific, you know, this, it's, a, it's a time period. There's a, there's a movement. There's a gradation all the way up until what? Then the, the break until there's a new age, a new time, a new heavens and a new earth, as it says, a new world. But if you see past all of this shit, if you see past all of these, these chumps and liars and frauds and actors and you don't have your ear holes full of people that have literally no idea what's going on in this world, if you're still listening to Globies, <laughs> in that sense, right? right? Well, if, if you turn all of that off, guess what? But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. The, all, these the sort of false prophets in the world are there to deceive you. They don't have a clue, but they're the ones that are the loudest. They're the ones that get up on the stage and have the most lights on them. Currently in our current age as we're living it right now. All right? And this is, this is an interesting one. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. Then shall the end come. What does this mean? The gospel of the kingdom, we'll, we'll go over this quite extensively. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all the nations. That means at the end of this world age, all, everyone shall get a chance to know the truth and shall decide whether they're going to stand in truth and align with God or not. That's what it is. 
This gospel is what he's saying, and we'll, we'll pick apart the, word, the wording here. This gospel of the kingdom, which is what we teach at this church directly, shall be preached in all of the world, which means that this knowledge will be available to all people at some point, and then they will get the chance to say, hey, well, it's just, you know, just like Flat Earth. Flat Earth is now available. It's been out since 2015. So now we get to see, we're, we're actually with our own two eyes getting to see the, the, the wheat and the chaff. Oh, you're still on a spinning ball. You're still promoting that shit. You're still talking to people that are promoting that stuff. Guess what? You're obviously not for God. You're obviously not for truth. You're obviously not for the source that created all of this, the almighty God. You have the opportunity, the chance to absolutely know it, preach it, speak it to the world, and you're choosing not to. Or you're just so ignorant and lost, lost little sheep that you can't see what's literally every, everything that you experience. In other words, in the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations. All nations will be able to witness this, right? Which is basically saying, hey, everyone shall get the chance to know the truth, but what is actually happening? All the wizard spells will be broken. All, and this is exactly what's happening right now. Across the world, all of these lies that have literally been cemented into our history in, in, for, for years, for generations, literally for decade upon decade now, right? They're all falling apart. And, and the wizards aren't smart enough to literally just, you know, try to, you know, abracadabra and then fix it all. Because why? Well, because light and truth and, and goodness and God is, is returning to the hearts and minds of people. And this is what they mean by, I don't know what this is. I think this is Corinthians, I want to say, Corinth 2 or something. I'm sorry. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. All those lies, all the spells... All the workings of the devil, all the wiles of Satan himself and his fucking minions, it's all going to fall apart. And then you will get the chance. You will have the opportunity with your own free will to say, am I coming to that gospel of truth? <clears throat> and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations. The truth will become available to all people. All the spells will be broken and we will be allowed to choose. And when the end comes, what is it? It's ultimately just, just as, you know, just as uh, winter does in this sort of thing. What is it? The snow falls on the ground, the white, pure essence of snow, which is what? Cold water. It blankets the earth. It gets warmer and that, that snow melts. And what does it do? There's a baptismal ritual. The earth goes through a baptismal ritual. And that's what happens in the world age doctrines. Now, when we talk about like... Um, you know, a, a harvesting of souls. Well, if a time of, of a time of great strife and suffering and that sort of thing, when we're ending that world age and there's going to be a lot of deaths, just like there was during the flood, what naturally happens? A harvesting of souls. That means there's going to be a great time in which all those souls basically at once will be rushed up to heaven. Think about it. Or, you know, judgment, that's what I mean, if you, if you know what I'm saying. So I'll just say this. Um, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The gospel, as we know, is God's story. It's, that's, that's, that's the, you know, the, the word trickery or the word play that ends up coming with gospel. It's the good story. It's God's story. And that story, as we know, is what? It's in the kingdom. It's in the dome of the king, which is Christ, which is God Almighty, which is, ab which is above us. It's the dome of God. 
So the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel which is God's story, which is the dome of God, shall be preached. Preached means passionately taught. That's, that's, what, that's, what, I, that's what I do. That's what I do for a living. I, I talk about these things and I do it with a fire in my heart. Bonergies, bitches, bonergies. Uh, in all the world shall the gospel of kingdom shall be preached. Literally, we're on the World Wide Web right now. <laughs> all the witness for all nations and then shall the end come, right? So I'm just here to say Gnostic Academy, we're fulfilling prophecy. That's why we moved to Missouri because we had to fulfill the prophecy of the Mormons because they said that's it. So that's why we're here. So anyway, a little bit of joke there. But in all seriousness, that's why I'm dedicated to teaching about the stars, teaching about true cosmology, teaching about all this stuff and never turning back on it. Because if I turn back on it, then I've got my ear to the wind of a bunch of men who are fucking deceivers. And I have no interest in that anymore. None. None. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. We're going to get into some star, star study here too, so just so you know. But I wanted to hammer home these points here. So, 2415, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, look at this parenthetical here. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. So clearly, they're giving you a, a verse here, and they're saying, this shit's cryptic. <laughs> Lots of people are going to read this. How many are really going to understand it? That's literally why they put that in parentheses there. So the first thing, let's first, let's talk about abomination of desolation. Like current times, okay, and then we'll get into the esoteric. Like, okay, right? So current times. Palestine is now being overtaken by a bunch of people who are verifiably antichrist. And now everybody calls it Israel. Stop calling it Israel. It's not fucking Israel. Call it Palestine. Did you hear about the war in Israel? There is no war in Israel. There's a war in Palestine. There's a genocide in Palestine. And right now, all of those Israelites or those Jews, they're literally in Palestine and they're rejecting Christ. Even though their Bible says they're supposed to... Right? Come to Christ and that whole thing. We won't get into that right now. That's too much. But obviously, right now is, I don't know, in Palestine, there absolutely is an abomination of desolation in the holy place. There's, I don't know what else to say about that other than facts. Hashtag facts. Right? So, so the about so let's read this again wherefore when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet we'll get into that stand in the holy place okay so in this sense this is the exoteric let's get into the esoteric right abomination of desolation is a phrase from the book of Daniel just as it says and basically what it is is a back in the day in the temple Jews in the morning and the evening would come and they would sacrifice a lamb and they would do that for God of course when we talk about the sacrificial lamb what are we talking about? Well, Jesus Christ, of course, right? He sat, he was sacrificed himself for his sins, so we all, you know, sacrificed himself for our sins so we could all live eternally, blah, 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 blah. We know that story. He's the lamb, he's the ram, he's the, of, of God. And he is the sacrificial lamb. God sacrificed his only begotten son in this sense, right? So that sacrificial lamb that the Jews are is supposed to be Christ. Now, what the abomin abomination of desolation is, is the fact that, oh, well, essentially, instead of sacrificing the lamb in the holy place, now there's like some pagan idolatry or some that sort of thing. And then Daniel basically talks about, it's like, hey, man, uh, they took, you know, they we're supposed to be, we're supposed to, in this sense, honoring the sacrificial lamb, and now it's being replaced by, you know, pagan idolatry or whatever, whatever they say, right? Um, and so that's what that, that's what that means. So abomination is, of course, a thing that causes disgust or hatred, and desolation is a state of complete emptiness or destruction, that sort of thing. 
Okay? And so, hold on, we'll, we'll get into this. So, this is the prophecy of Daniel, and this is why I say when you look at the terminology of the Bible, they, they, they uh, reiterate or reuse terminology to specifically mention other parts in the Bible and, and you know, specific things. So, this is, this is one of them, prophecy of Daniel. And they shall, the abomination, they shall place the abomination that make desolate. Of abominations he shall make desolate. Okay? So, they're referring to this specific prophecy in Daniel. He said, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the end of time. Literally, Daniel talking about the end of the world age, just as Jesus is talking about. Abomination that make desolate set up. They say it again. Then at the very end, it says this. But go thou way till the end be, the end times, the end of the world age. For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Say it twice. Well, when the end is going to be, and then the end of the days, you are going to stand, just as it says, stand in the holy place, you're going to stand in thy lot. This is how unbelievably cryptic the Bible is and how much attention the Bible requires you to have in order to crack the code, if you will. A lot, they never tell you what a lot is in the Bible. You have to infer it. There's nothing in the Bible that says specifically what casting lots were, what the tools were. But if you look up what is a lot, it's an object used to determine someone's share. Anything from dice to straw, chip of wood, stone, that sort of thing. But, you know, what is it? Well, it's a reference to dice. This is when you cast dice, you're casting lots. That's what it is. What did we just cover last chapter? Kabbalah. Kabbalah. They literally encoded a pair of dice in, well, number one, Jesus' name, and then in the, you know, in the chapter, in the verse, we covered the whole thing. So here they're given, out of nowhere, Jesus says, hey man, there's this prophecy of Daniel. So, and, and then it says, hey, if you, if you understand, if, you know, whosoever readeth and you understand, cool man, you know. And then you read the prophecy of Daniel and it's like, I'm going to stand in the lot. Casting lots was a form of random selection, rolling dice. Curiously, the Bible never describes the method of instruments used to make the selection. Why didn't they not mention it? Because they're challenging you. It's challenging to say, what are we talking about? It's the cube. It's what is being mentioned all over the Bible when you actually, you know, get into the esoteric of it. Practice of casting lots is mentioned 70 times in the Old Testament and seven times in the New. 77. Huh, interesting. Nothing is known about the actual lots themselves. But they could have been this or this or some kind of dice. And as we know, the city of God is a cube. So Jesus is saying, hey... There, or Jesus mentioning this prophecy in Daniel, and, and you're supposed to be sacrificing the lamb in the holy place, and they, they don't do that anymore, and it's like this idolatry, or the, you know, whatever, it's, you know, basically, it's no longer sacred, that sort of stuff, and then he said, well, Daniel, where did you stand at the end of the days? In my lot. What is that? Well, once again, if you're going to be standing at the end of the days with God, you're going to be with him in his city, and his city of God is what? A cube, as you guys know. The city lieth four square. It's a square, and the length is large as the breadth. The length, the breadth, and the height of it are all equal. Daniel, by the way, means God is my judge. So what does Jesus mean when he says, stand in the holy place, when we look at it esoterically? There's an abomination of desolation. What was taken out of the temple? What is the temple? It's the temple on the sides of your heads. As, as uh, you know, uh, Bill Donahue says, God made a temple, not, you know, God dwells in a temple not made by the hands of man. And the only temple, that, you know, not made by the hands of man are the one on the sides of your, fore sides of your forehead, excuse me. <clears throat> the abomination of desolation. What's the temple? It's your head. What's up there? It's Aries, the ram. It's, an it's desolate. It's empty. 
It's an abomination. You've got a head full of fucking nothing. And it's full of anger and hatred and all this other shit. And that, and then spoken of Daniel, stand in the holy place. What should be in the holy place? The sacrificial lamb. Whoso readeth, let him understand. The entire thing is ultimately about what? Of course, the return of Christ. What does that mean? It's the ram. It's the lamb. So he gives you this prophecy to let you know. It's like, hey, uh, you know, there, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of people that in the temple, it's desolate and it's an abomination. In other words, there's a whole group of people, if you will, that don't have Christ on their mind at all. Then the next line is this. Listen, 24.16. Then, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Do you know what Judea is? It's literally modern Israel. The Jews have just got their own country, which at least as far as we know, quote unquote, never having their own country, always being these sort of, you know, the wandering Jew, not the plant, but the wandering Jew, all country to country and that sort of thing, and then be thrown out and stuff like that. It's only in our time and in our world age in which the Jews got their own country. It's no longer Palestine. It's still Palestine. It's going to be Palestine again. <laughs> but that the, the Jews got their own That's And the, and the Bible is literally saying, <laughs> run to the mountains. You're going to let them, which be in modern-day Israel, flee into the mountains. Because guess what? Your head is empty, desolate. You're standing in a holy place, and you don't have Christ. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to his clothes. What, what is this? This is obviously symbolic and esoteric. The housetop. Which is the house? What's, his, what's the house? What's the top of your house? What's your house? It's your home. It's your, it's your body. That's where the soul is housed. And what's the housetop? Oh, if you're, if, you're up, if you're up there in the Aries and the ram and the lamb, you don't need to go back down. You've already transmuted and sent that energy all the way up into your Aries, your Polaris. And you don't need to come back down and take anything out of the house. You've already, you've already taken all of those, all of that energy within all of those constellations, transmuted it up to the top of your head, into the top of your house. And, there's no, and you're there. You're with God. You're in the cube. You're in the lot. You don't need to go back down into the house and take anything out. Get it? He says, let him which is on the housetop not come down, take anything out of his house. Not need Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. What is this? Once again, what's the field? It's the field of stars. You're already heading up, upward into the metaphysical realms. You don't need to come back down to earth and put some clothes on. What is the symbolism of clothes? It's the physical. You make clothes with your hands. We make clothes. Who made the human body? God. You're already, up, you're already up there. You're on the top of the house. You don't need to go back into the house. That shit's done. You're in the field of stars right now. You do not need to go back and put a warm coat on. God's got the fire for you. Okay? 
Then they even continue on with this highly symbolic and esoteric language and says, and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Now, once again, exoterically, you could say, hey, man, if there's an end of the time period, there's going to be destruction, you know, that sort of thing and suffering and homes, floods and whatever it is, right? And it's like, hey, man, if you're just think about this just straight away, if you are actually pregnant, right? Right? That's going to be a difficult time. Okay, so, but is that really what it means? Well, exoterically, sure, we could say that. But what does it really mean when it says those are with child? And to them that give suck in those days, what does it mean spiritually? With child means you haven't undergone the rebirth yet. The whole thing is about death and rebirth. The whole thing is about rebirthing that new Christ. So you're with child. You want to give birth to that child because that is the spiritual rebirth that we all seek. So if the time comes, the end of the age comes, and all of the world, we all get all the magic spells, go, whew, they're all broken, and we all get to see the truth, and you still haven't undergone that rebirth process. You still haven't, in this sense, come to Christ. Woe unto you. If you give suck, what does it mean? It means you're still sucking the teat of earthly things in this sense, right? You're still, you're still a spiritual child. You're giving suck. Instead of, you know, putting on the six pieces of the armor of God and going to slay the dragon, you're still like <laughs> sucking that teat. Woe unto you. Get it? But pray that your flight, very important language, but pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. What does this mean? <clears throat> what is this? First off, what's the Sabbath day? We all know basically the Sabbath day, we've talked about geometrically, that points to the center of you, correct? We've talked about up, down, left, right, forward, reverse. The six days you do the work and then rest on that seventh day. That seventh day is the center. So if we say, hey, what's okay, if the, the seventh day is the center, it's the center of the cube, it's the center of the chi row, it's et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's the center. That's that the Sabbath in that sort of sense is the, where does God rest? In your heart, as we say. That's the resting place. So you say, Woe unto you. Oh, what does he say here specifically? Um, um, yeah, pray that your flight not be in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Okay? What is, we'll get back to Sabbath in just a second. What is the winter? Well, what are the winter months? On the zodiac, man, on the anthropocosm there. It's all the ones that below, in this sense, below the sacrum. And Jesus sat on the top and sent that energy straight up. This is all the winter months. It's the, you know, Capricorn and Scorpio, all that sort of stuff. It's the winter months. So woe unto them that are, that are in, when, when you're trying to send your spirit up in flight to the Aries, to the top of the dome, right? Woe unto you that would be in the winter months when this time comes. Because where's your spirit? It's down there in the atavistic and the, atav you know, the animalistic, the atavistic, the, the desires of the flesh, sex, passion, all of that sort of stuff. But then he also says, woe unto you if you're in the Sabbath day. What does this mean? What is, what, it means that obviously the heart is the, the, the most important organ in this sort of sense. But what, what is the heart? That's why we have the sacred heart of Jesus. It's not called the sacred brain of Jesus. It's called the sacred heart of Jesus. But what is the heart? The heart is emotionality is what it is, right? There's a lot of people that get stuck in the heart. Now, you want to go through the lion's gate. You have to send that energy straight up through the lion's gate all the way up to the Aries, the ram. That, you're taking the energy in this sense of your heart up there to transmute it. That's where Jesus died, you know, in this sort of sense, Golgotha, the skull, okay? So 
woe to you that are in the lower and atavistic natures in winter when this time comes. And woe unto you that are still stuck in your, your, your heart. And I'm not saying that you don't want to be heart-centered and that sort of thing we all want to do, but if you're stuck in the emotionality, if you haven't transmuted that into, up in, in, in this sense, into the flight, that's why they're using the word flight. This whole spiritual process is a holistic spiritual ascension and transmutation, which means your whole process is to go through the heart, right? Take that energy and literally bring it up and transmutate it into the celestial beam of faith, as I like to say it, right? People get stuck in their heart. People get stuck in emotionality, in other words. No, you, you still want you know, passion and that sort of thing, but you have to transmute it into what? The Aries, the Lamb, the Ram. So woe unto the people that are stuck in the winter months or they're stuck, they're just, they haven't even sent that up yet. They're still like, oh, but the, oh, but the poor Jews. Oh, oh we can still have compassion and, and, and that sort of thing, but we're not going to be played by our hearts, in other words. Okay? For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world. To this time, no, nor ever shall be. Beginning of the world. What is that? It's the beginning of the world age. What happened at the beginning of the world age? They tell us in the book there was a great flood. And what happened? Literally all, every, you know, in this sort of sense, that all the stones were knocked down, right? A complete destruction. Literally across the world, people tell us this. Cultures, you know, advanced cultures tell us this. And then he calls it a tribulation. Tribulation is obviously an important word. It's distress or suffering resulting from oppression or persecution, right? Also, also a trying experience. So there's distress, there's suffering, it's a trying experience, right? Tribulation, when you look at the etymology, means uh, it's a state of affliction or oppression, suffering, distress. Obviously, we know Jesus is literally telling us, yes, that's going to happen. But it also means to press, to thresh out grain, and it comes from to rub or to turn. That's what tribulation comes from, to flesh out grain, to rub or to turn. And we'll see this again. We're going to see that basically what is this, what is Polaris? That's exactly what it is. Jesus is telling us all of this while he's on the Mount of Olives, looking down at all of creation, being like all this stuff, all the stones will be cast away and there's world ages. And then the world age is going to come to an end. And when it comes to an end, just like, you know, any cycle, just like winter and summer and that sort of thing, it has its qualities. This is the quality that it's going to be. And when it does, it's in this sense, your soul is sent down into the turning of the ages, the, the wheel of karma, the wheel of fortune, the wheel of fate, if you will, that zodiacal wheel that turns. And what do we want to do? In this sort of sense, flesh out the grain, separate wheat and chaff, if you will. You know what I'm saying? And this whole thing will come up yet again in this chapter. Okay? And accept those days should be shortened, there shall be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. What does it mean, days shortened? It means they're going to die an early death. That's what it means. The elect, and the elect are being like, oh, you did the great work. You were the ones that were following my will. You did not fall for the, you know, the, the retardation and theories and all that stuff of men. You are the elect. And because this is such a time of great suffering, pain, strife, I'm going to take you early. Do you know what that is? That's mercy. Mercy. <laughs> then it says, no flesh shall be saved. And then people will be like, ah, oh, this just means that literally that everyone's going to die. No. 
because we know that what is being said is, hey, this is the people that are the elect that are going to be going up to heaven. Well, we already know that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. What did we start this whole thing with? Upstairs, upstairs is what? The incorruptible? Downstairs on the physical plane of earth is the corruptible. Incorruption doesn't inherit your corruption. You got to have, you have to transmit, you have to transmute all of that energy into the purity of the lamb, the light, the ram. Your flesh and blood, your physical body is not going to go up there. So hence why they're saying, hey, no, there shall be no flesh saved. We know that. The Bible tells us why that is. Because that's the metaphysical up there. It's not the physical. Flesh and blood is physical. Then it says this, one of the most important verses of this chapter. There, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. This is modern Christianity. This is modern Christianity for you. Modern Christianity, I don't care, like at least across the board, pretty much every denomination says... Christ is in this one. Christ, we got Christ in this church. That's literally what they say. You talk to Orthodox, they'll rip on Protestants and Catholics being like, ah, it's, they, don't, they don't know. They ain't got it over there. And Catholics will do the same thing. And then, you, you know, you, whatever it is. This is denominationalism in one sense. All of these different churches, Eastern Orthodox, Presbyterian, Anglicanism, Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Protestant, pick your poison. What are they all saying? No, Christ is over here. Christ, guys, is in this church. It's in this one. <laughs> what do we say Christ is? What do we say where Christ is at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ? Everywhere. There is no low here and low there. <laughs> low, this is Christ here and Christ is over here. No, Christ is everywhere. The entire thing, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. What do you think that means? That's the end of, that's the end of Matthew as well. We'll get to that. Not today. That's exactly what it is. Once again, let's just look to our time in, in relationship to what's going on in Matthew 24. There's a lot of parallels. There, I can't help but draw the parallels. There's just nothing, you know. Any man shall say to you, believe, believe them not. And this is why we don't, this is why I rail against these, these denominations. Say, look, and, you know, you're, you're literally teaching Something that is so uh, uh, once again a cornerstone of doctrine of doctrine of Christ's doctrine, and you're negating it. Then they say that there's going to be false prophets that arise again, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show so great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, not that they can, but if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. If you're elected by God, you're not going to be deceived by, in this sort of sense, Satan's wiles and lies and all that sort of stuff. What is the false prophet? By the way, this is, once again, we'll, we'll get, get into some star study here because this is what the gospel, it's God's story, it's the story in the stars, right, is all about. But just so you know, when they taught, when Revelation talks about the false prophets, right, this is actually constellational and something very specific. And actually, as they mention this, then they're going to go into the days of Noah and we'll get to that. But basically, when you look at the southern celestial um, hemisphere of the stars, right? What you have is um, the Southern Cross, which the Southern Cross is actually the one thing that actually appears when the sun is uh, reborn in winter. 
There's the, the Southern Cross. So that is a constellation in the sky that actually, in this sense, um, uh, prefaces, if you will, the, the, the rising of the sun in winter, right, around Christmas, okay? That's, what you, that's what's in the sky. Then right next to that is the False Cross, okay? So the Cross of Christ is the Southern Cross, which literally points to the sun, in its cycle of death and rebirth, which is what Christmas is in this sort of sense, right? Symbolically, if you will, which is what, you know, correlates to the world age doctrine, if you will. Right by that southern cross is the false cross. And this is the false prophet. It's literally called the false cross. Right by the southern cross, as we've covered before, is what? It's the tools of the carpenter. It's the tools of Christ Almighty. Norma, which is the square. Circanus, which is the compass. And Triangulum Austria, which is the triangle. Literally, the tool, tools of carpentry, masonry, drawing, that sort of stuff. Okay? So when you talk about false Christ, false prophets, that sort of thing, that is constellational, and we'll get into all of that when we do, uh, eventually when we do Revelation. But when they say, there shall be false Christ and, and shall show signs, great signs and wonders. Well, a sign is, a, is a, once again, is a reference in one sense to constellations. And once again, doing this, I just couldn't help but say, like, God, that sounds a lot like, you know, like SpaceX, Elon Musk. All these people are like, did you see what SpaceX is fucking doing? It's amazing. This guy's a brilliant. He's a maverick. He's, no, he's not. He's, he's a false prophet. I'm, 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 they're try, I think they're trying to set up him to be the next Barack Obama slash, you know, uh, Donald Trump. Maverick, intelligent, you know, uh, you know, all the all the bullshit stories you hear about Elon Musk. He he, you know, he's self-made man. All these signs and sh- all these things that wonder. Oh God, look at the, the the technology that they have. It's just so amazing. <laughs> Once again, I just can't help but be like, God, that's that sounds a lot like show signs and great wonders. In so much as possible, they deceive the very elect. I don't know. Once again, when you say they're going to try to deceive the elect, what does that mean? Well, it's the exact same thing that Satan did. Satan tried to tempt and deceive Christ. So in other words, what they're saying is that there's going to be a lot of Satanists running around trying to tickle your ear. That's what it is. These demons will even try to convince the pure of heart in this sense, like Satan did with Jesus. Even if it were possible, these absolutely immoral, psychopathic, tyrannical, despotic demons will even try to go after Christ just as Satan did. And that's what they're saying. Woe unto you if you're in these times. I don't know. It seems a lot like we're in those times. I don't know. I'll just say that. So, all right. If you'd like to support the fine work that we do at the Gnostic Church and Academy, we're going to pass the basket around and then we'll finish this baby up. We're only halfway through. It's a long one, I told you. So uh, anyway, uh, Venmo, buy me a coffee cash app, and you can become a good bird over at Subscribestar. We have PayPal, and um, so we also have uh, snail mail. If you'd like to make uh, send any letters or a note or uh, you know, donations, anything like that, Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And we keep going with your donations. Our church... Um, it stays alive by its congregation. It's that simple. So the congregation grows, we grow. If we stay small, we stay small. And if there's no congregation, there's no church. We'll still be doing churches. What else am I going to do? I got nothing else to do.
All right. Thank you all. Thank you all to the people that support and engage in the community and, and show up and actually do absorb these uh, sermons and, and pay attention. We really appreciate it. We, as I, as I uh, sorry, as I'm stumbling over my words, as I always like to say, we really love what we do and we would like to continue doing it because it's, it's just, it means the world to us. So thank you all to the people that do support and buy books and that sort of thing. So let's march on. 24, 25, behold, I have told you before. This is where it gets very constellational. Before, I've told you this before, right? In other words, it's a recirculation back to Health Castle and Virons, where Tristram by the Lord more. It's a recirculation. I've, this is the same story. There's nothing new under the sun. I've told you this stuff before. Cycles of patterns and destruction. We can hear the words of Christ in this sort of sense in the sun. The sun tells us this story. And then he also says, hey, well, you know what? If you're uh, just all these people saying there's Christ here and Christ there, they're, they're saying, oh, they're saying go here, they're there. I'm like, no, 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 no. Christ is always in the center of you, which he, means he's always present. And this is the symbolism of everything he's going to say right now. And then they're going to give you constellations to make the, you know, the parabolic story in this sort of sense. Wherefore, if they say, shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Well, we already know what the desert is in the sky. And so, obviously, there's got to be a secret chamber right by that desert if we're talking about constellations. So, what's the desert? They're saying, ah, Jesus, is he's in the desert, right? It's, uh, and that's, uh, that's where you have to go to find him. Well, he's there, too, yeah, but you could go anywhere, because, right, because he's all power is given to me in heaven and earth, that sort of thing. So, what's the desert? Well, it's the camel of Pardalus, which is a camel and a leopard. Looks like a running guy with a very long neck and this sort of thing you can see. It's a camel and a leopard. There's a lynx. There's snakes there you can't see, but Draco's up there. Uh, you've got Leo Major and Leo Minor, and then you've got the beehive of cancer. Those are all things that you find in a desert. Lions, snakes, lynx, camels, leopards, bees. There's, I guess, five, 600 different species of bees that live in deserts. This is your desert place. So they're saying, hey, <laughs> they say you got to go to the desert to find them. Just, just stop, 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 stop. You don't need to go anywhere special. He's right here and now. And then they says, they says, hey, uh, whoop, sorry. Um, says, hey, go, if he's in the secret chambers, believe it not. You know what a secret chamber is? A secret chamber is a, is a room and a house. That's what it is. And there's a house-shaped constellation, which is the king, which is Cepheus. So you can even see it's a square. And then on top, it looks like a roof. It's like the most um, recognizable aspect of that constellation. It's the one that looks like a house. So they're saying, hey, well, while he's on Polaris being like, I'm in the center of everything, that's why I'm on Polaris, they're going to say go into the desert. And there's other people that are going to say you got to go into the secret room in the house. And Jesus is saying in so many words, they're all full of shit. Okay? <laughs> For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth onto the, even onto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It happens in a, light, a lightning strike. You'll never, you, you, you won't know. The, 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 uh, I'm going to do a video called My Own Kabbalistic Revelations where I'm going to talk about the fact that, you know, I don't know how else to say this, but that, you know, I've received things from divinely that I have, that didn't certainly come from me and I can't even, I'm not even smart enough to invent this shit. So, right. So I'm going to do a whole thing about that Kabbalistic Revelations about Kabbalah is a very real thing. Kabbalah means to receive, means you receive wisdom. When that comes, when that happens, it's like a lightning fucking strike. 
And I can, and I'm going to tell, I'm going to not hear, but when we do that live stream, I'll tell you specifically, like there was times it was just absolutely flashes where it's like a flash of inspiration. That's what they call it, right? All of a sudden there's just like, you had this epiphany, this revelation, all of a sudden, boom, just enters in your head and you, you know, right? I'll tell you the one time, it was the beginning of my uh, book, um, Lord Jesus Christ. I said, the first time I saw Jesus was on a trillium flower. And I mean that very seriously. I was walking one day and I just looked down and all of a sudden I looked at this trillium flower and like that, like lightning flash, like boom. All of a sudden, look, what is that? Marty, Marty, dummy. This is how God speaks to me. Hey, shit for brains. <laughs> what is that? It's like, oh, damn, that's, that's the base 10 system, God. When the cipher showed up, it was the same shit. Right? When the, the first time I had a, the big revelation on Pi that actually started this thing, I was I, I, I was with my ex. I came home. I was I probably had like four beers and a joint in, and next thing you know, boom, out of nowhere. You know, it could be on a, a walk up a butte. It could be when you just get home after dinner. It could be when you're in the basement, just you know, whatever. Like you, you'll never know, and it'll come like a flash. More, this is this one's kind of hard to explain, but then it says this because it absolutely, this one extremely cryptic statement deals directly with what is called the Phoenix cycle, which is exactly what we're talking about. World age doctrine, cycles of destruction and recreation. We all know what the Phoenix is, right? The Phoenix is the, the bird that rises from the ashes. This is a, you know, something that's, you know, I mean, Manly Palmer Hall has done a series of lectures on this. There's lots of books on this, that sort of thing. And this is exactly what this statement is, and it's unbelievably cryptic, and we'll go over every bit of it. 2428, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will be the eagles gathered together. What the fuck does this mean? What in the world, right? Okay, so the first thing they're mentioning here is there's a carcass, which means there's dead peep, there's a dead person there, and there's eagles gathered together around this carcass. What? What does that mean? This is a reference, as we talked about before, and I'll cover that. This is, this is going to be hard to explain, but because we've covered it several times, several lectures have covered in the books, this is a reference to St. John, the dead body of St. John. I'll show you why. Okay? So, first off, Orpheus, the god Orpheus, which is what these, you know, this, these are all Greek myths and stuff like that that's recapitulated, if you will, reimagined. Um, Orpheus was the god the hero god that really like sang, you know, sang to all of creation. His head still sang after it was decapitated after death. It sang eternally, in other words, right? And, and Orpheus's head is always by a harp. That's part of his thing. He would sing and he would play his harp, his lyre, and it would, it would literally like charm all of, all of the species, birds, and all of, you know, that sort of thing. So this is Orpheus. So this, the, the main theme or, or um, you know, um, quality or whatever of the story you want to say. The main theme of the story is the fact that Orpheus decapitated, his head was decapitated. It's the same thing as St. John. St. John, of course, in the story, we've, and we've covered this before, like I said, he was decapitated. So the, the main theme that you have there is to is done so to link these two characters together. So while Orpheus has got his head cut off and he's got his lyre and he's singing and he's charming all of humanity with his songs, with his voice, what did John do? What's the first one in, in John, John 1? What is it? In the beginning was the Word, and Word was with God, and Word was God. John announces Christ, correct? John announces the Word, and hence you have this correlation. I'll show you why this is why we're making this connection here, okay? Orpheus continued to sing even after death. Just as Christ rose again after death, the Word of God is eternal, and thus still, still heard and ever-present. We hear of this powerful voice 
the voice of Orpheus, which is John, St. John's revelation, when it says, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice harpers harping with their harps. Just in case, this is how the Bible does this. They're like harp, 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 harps, harps. Focus on a harp. Focus on a voice and a harp. That leads you right to the Grecian myths. The harps being mentioned here is a reference to the very lyre, the harp, that's what a lyre is, that Orpheus used in conjunction with his powerful voice. Okay? Now, all of this to explain literally one line. This is how insanely cryptic Jesus' words are. The tetramorph, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is the four Gospels as we know. John is the Scorpio. Scorpio is also understood as the eagle. Scorpion is the eagle, is the, uh, it's the phoenix. It's, all, it's been given all of these, you know, these, these uh, um, correlations, okay? So when we look at this line again, it says, For wherever the carcass is, there will be the eagles gathered together. Well, this is all constellational. First off, the lyre, this is the summer triangle. It's a reference to the summer triangle. It's, you can't see it underneath there, but it's, there's Cygnus, there's Aquila. They're highlighted in blue there. Lyre is the lyra. It's, the, it's literally a harp in the heavens. And that lyra is always shown with what? St. Orvius's decapitated head. Well, when we translate this into the Christian canon, what do we have? That lyra represents what? The many, St. John and his revelation with the angels and the voice and the great voice that was harpers harping with their harps. That lyra the right there represents the decapitated head of St. John. Now, we are told, also told in the story that the body was laid to rest somewhere. We were never told where. The disciples took the body and laid it to rest. Well, that's right across the summer triangle, and that's Delphinus. Delphinus is known as Job's coffin. It's a coffin. So here we have Lyra, the harp, St. John's head, and right across from that you have the place where St. John's body was laid to rest. And hence where it says, for wherever the carcass is, the carcass of St. John, there will be eagles gathered together. Do you know what the carcass is? It's the death. Do you know what the eagle represents? The phoenix. The, it's, the new, it's a new birth. It's the new cycle. It's the phoenix cycle. It's destruction and recreation. So here we have the decapitated head of St. John, represented by the, the harp, the lyre, the Orpheus, and right around them is what? Aquila, which is an eagle, literally flying around Delphinus, where Saint, the carcasses of St. John. The head of the eagle is called El Terre, which is a flying eagle. And Cygnus looks like a big damn bird. So, out of nowhere, this incredibly cryptic statement is telling you actually specifically about what? Cycle of birth and death and rebirth. The, the cycle of resurrection, the world age cycle, the phoenix cycle. By the way, John is known as Scorpio or what in the tetramorph? Eagle. He's the eagle. Now, are you guys ready for this? Okay, so this is the Phoenix cycle. Does everybody get that? Wheresoever the body of St. John is, there will be the Phoenix rising from the ashes. Here's your Phoenix rising from the ashes. This whole thing, guys, is on the dollar bill. This is actually what, that, what those symbols of the dollar bill mean. On the left there, most people think that that's the all-seeing eye of God and it just means it's just like this pyramid structure. It's all the evil people at the top and they're all controlling. Well, yes, it can. Obviously, there can be that, but that's not what that means. 
That's that, that triangle up there which represents Jesus Christ. That's what that triangle represents. It's elevated from what? The materiality below it. Correct? And that's exactly what we're talking about. Oh, flesh and blood are never going to, they're not, you know, that's, that's incorruption there. It's not going not gonna to bring corruption up to heaven. Flesh and blood, physicality does not get up there because it's in the metaphysical realms. That is all, that's known as the all-seeing eye of God. So when we say that Christ is within you, Christ in this sense is looking through your eyes. This is what we mean. They're saying, low here, low there. Go into the desert. No, you got to go to the secret chambers. And Jesus is like, nah, I'm with you the entire time, bitch. Calm down. That's what the all-seeing eye of God is actually about. That pyramid on the dollar bill is a representation. I said this before. It's a representation of Jesus Christ. What's, what does it say right below it? Novus order seclorum. And once again, people immediately go to the, the conspiratorial angle of this. But do you know what it really means in Latin? New order of the ages. It's specifically talking about the world age doctrine. What's on the other, not on the other side, but the other, you know, flanking, if you, if you will, the all-seeing eye of God, that great pyramid, which is a representation of squaring the circle. That, that, that we've talked about this before, the angle of that pyramid encodes the path of the sun. Facts. So now we go to that, what is it? It's the eagle. Oh, shit. Well, what is it? It's a representation of St. John. So here we have what? Literally, the process of in this sense, death and rebirth, getting up to heaven, no flesh and blood, that sort of thing. The fact that the God sees all things, is everywhere, is, owns everything, is in control of everything, is in the center of you and sees everything, just as we say. And then literally right by it is what? The eagle of St. John, talking about what? The cycle of the world ages. And then they literally just tell it to you. But people are so hung up on oh, Masons and oh, new, or, or, new World Order, blah, 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 blah. But they, because they're looking at an esoteric document and they don't understand esoterica, they come to faulty conclusions. That right there, do you know what else it encodes? The septenary cipher. Count how many 13s. Count how many 13s is on that. We won't go into that. For wheresoever the, the body of St. John will be, there will be the phoenix rising from those ashes. There will be a new world. Then, as, as, we're, as you see, you know, once again, when you, when you follow along here, what we do is we take these things in the Bible and actually show you real world, almost like natural applications for these stories, do we not? So when we say, hey, it's like, oh, there's a king and a queen and a daughter that's in peril, we go, hey, well, that's Cepheus and Cassiopeia and Andromeda. We say, hey, there's an evil serpent up there is like, that's showing God all the things of the world. And then we say, well, that's Draco. That's Draco up there. So we're constantly going through this Bible and showing that there's absolutely, you know, a rational, reasonable, verifiable, in this sort of sense, quote-unquote, naturalistic phenomenon behind this. So now knowing that, let's read the next verse and let's see if we can find any, quote-unquote, naturalistic phenomenon for this. Immediately after the tribulation, 2429, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. This is a total solar eclipse. This is what a total solar eclipse looks like. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you, and uh, this always struck me as odd, and I think I have a reason for it now. (laughs) 
when I, I used to study like native, like pretty heavily, like native American cultures and stuff like that. Of course we do that now too. We've done Ojibwe story creation and what else have we done? Cherokee. We're going to do more. I want to do the Paiutes. I want to do the Blackfeet. want to, you know, we love going into the native stuff and showing how brilliant it is. Right. One of the things, the a common theme, once again, that you'll find within indigenous cultures, native cultures, is that, that the, the, the a solar eclipse is not like this amazing phenomenon that we should all go out and look at. It's actually like a bad omen. In general, like Native Americans actually see them as bad omens, okay? Ancients viewed solar eclipses as wrath from on high. And this was something I, I remember seeing a long time ago, and I was just like, well, why is that, right? Well, at least as far as we can tell, according to what Jesus is saying, is that after this cycle happens, there is going to be the sun darkened and the moon. There's going to be this some sort of celestial phenomenon happening, right? Well, as far as I can tell, what he's actually talking about is an eclipse, Read it again. Let's read it again. If I can find where I am. There. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be taken, or shall be shaken. Excuse me. This is, once again, this is the solar eclipse. Let's look at a solar eclipse. Um, the sun is darkened. It's not completely blacked out. It's darkened, which is exactly what happens in a solar eclipse. During a solar eclipse, you only have a solar eclipse only happens on a new moon when the moon does not give her light, literally. <laughs> so there's a new moon. The moon does not give its light. It goes right in front of the sun, which darkens the sun. And then the next thing that is said is that the stars fall from heaven, right? Well, what's the stars? Uh, this is uh, here. There it is. The sun shall be darkened like a solar eclipse. And literally the day essentially goes dark, right? And then the moon shall not give her light because it's new moon. And that's what happens during a solar eclipse. And, the, and then the stars shall fall from heaven. What is the stars falling from heaven? Once again, when we just look for a naturalistic phenomenon from this, this is what most people think. Oh, it's all going to crash down. Maybe, I don't know, right? Maybe. But once again, maybe it's just a massive meteor shower. There's also another idea, and I'm just going to throw this out for your consideration. This is not this is not a, this is not any sort of theorem. This is definitely speculation. But there's the idea that whenever you see like shooting stars, that that's literally like a, a soul that's gone from Earth, and you know that sort of thing is now going up to heaven, or it's what you know that's that, that, there's that idea that floats around anyway. I think it's kind of a nice idea either way. I'm not saying there's any necessarily absolute fact or legitimacy to it. But if you did have a moment in tribulation where there's suffering and lots of and people end up dying because it's literally part of a cycle, and then you have a lot of those people that are the elect that end up going up to heaven, then that would be a lot of souls, stars, if you will, that would be falling, if you will, right? Uh, just as meteor showers do, the falling from heaven. Once again, when we look for naturalistic phenomena, for, and I don't want to say naturalistic as in... Um, I'm not going to go into that. That's too much to explain it. But what I'm saying is that, hey, these things in the Bible are meaning like real like events, things that we can experience and they're not like necessarily absolutely fantastical and stuff like that. No, it's just explaining an eclipse. And that during this age, when it shifts, that these things in the heavens will happen. Okay. Now we take that and then we look at the Native American folklore and their legends and how they actually treat eclipses. And as far as we can tell, their actions are saying the same shit, man. Like, hey, an eclipse is going to end is going to end up marking the fact that there's a time of great stress and strife and, and suffering. Makes a lot of sense to me. Let's keep reading. 
And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And once again, when we talk about the internal uh, spiritual work that's happening here, where's heaven? We'll get to that. It's, it's obviously, it's the up, it's the Polaris, it's the Aries, it's the ram, it's the lamb. What is the sign you're going to be seeing? Sign is, of course, a, it's a constellation. That's what we call them, signs, right? So they're saying, what is the sign in heaven that you're going to see? Well, it's Aries. Then they shall see the tribes of the earthborn. I love the, I love the fact that they use the word tribe there. <laughs> That's just kind of a riff on the heebies, I think. But anyway, then shall uh, appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, we know that this is all parabolic of the Son, right? We understand that Jesus Christ in one symbolic manifestation is the Son and his path through the zodiac, which is what? Literally gives you, in this sense, a mini world age. That's what a seasonal cycle is. The same sort of thing, except on a grander cosmic cycle. So he's saying, hey, you're going to see the Son of Man, which represents Aries, which represents the rebirth of the sun. You're going to see that coming in the, in the heavens, in, in the Son of Man. This is, um, here we have, the sun, and, the, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. The sign of the Son of Man is Aries. It's the Lamb. It's the Ram. Next chapter Lamb and lamp, by the way. Think about lamb and lamp. He's the light. He's the ram. He's the lamb. He's the lamb and lamp. Light. Next chapter, we'll actually be dealing with the ten virgins who had oil in their lamps. Okay. You'll see a sign up here, and that's the Son of Man in heaven. What is the Son of Man? It's, ex it's ex literally exactly what we've explained it as. The Son in theology, it's the divine light within you that is what symbolically represented in one sense, the path of the sun, just like your path is the ups and downs and through the year and everything like that. So you can finally find that still point of Polaris at home. There's the divine light of expressing the relationship between part and the whole of man, of you. There's the divine light in you that you are going to bring upstairs into heaven. The son of man coming in the clouds, in the heaven, heavens above you. Now, this is also, oh, let me keep going here. Sorry. And he shall send, this is an interesting one, right? Because it's going to reiterate what I just said in the, the most cryptic way possible. And he shall send his angels. What are the angels? We'll get back to that. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall, they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. <clears throat> He shall send his angels. What is happening? This is what is being explained to you as a Kabbalistic revelation internally. Okay? Because we have, we have to have both aspects of this in this sort of sense. Esoterically, mystically, what's happening? The angels are coming forth. What are the angels? This is, this is the receiving. This is the reception, right? The angels are what? The ten emanations of God. The angels and the angles are literally, in this sense, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and zero. The Kabbalistic tree of life. These are the nine worlds on the Yagrasil tree. Once again, when you see it, you can't unsee it. The angels are literally, and they even break them up into threes. One, two, three, Trinitarian. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is literally the Christian angelic hierarchy, which is represented as the nine numbers. Those nine numbers, those angels, are going to come down. In, the, in this sense, the Kabbalistically, there's a reception, if you will. Okay? This is what's in Jesus' name. This is 1, 2, 3. 1 plus 2 plus 3 equals 6. 4 plus 5 plus 6 equals 15. And 1 plus 5 plus equals 6. 
And 7 plus 8 plus 9 equals 24, and 2 plus 4 equals 6. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 equals 45. We've covered this many, many times. I'm going to do this fast. But literally, those angels that we're talking about that we're relating to numbers are 100% encoded phonetically in Jesus' name, full stop. 1, 2, 3, 1 plus 2 plus 3 equals 6, 4 plus 5 plus 6 equals 15, 1 plus 5 equals 6, and 7 plus 8 plus 9 equals 24, and 2 plus 4 equals 6. Add those up, it's 45 G sus. That's a reference to the, the Christian angelic hierarchy, the numbers 1 through 9. This is a Kabbalistic revelation happening here. Oops, sorry, wrong one. And he shall send his angels with the sound, with the great sound of a trumpet. And those angels, they're going to gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end, from one end of heaven uh, to the other. There's a, there's a sound of a trumpet. What's, what's a trumpet? Well, okay, well, what is it, what's another name for a trumpet? Is it a horn? Literally, it's called a horn section, correct? Ancient trumpets would have been, like, before they actually made brass trumpets, or are they made out of yeah, brass? That's why it's called a brass band. Um, before they made out of brass, you know, look at like the old like um, like Swiss like you know they blow the elf horns and stuff like that. They made them out of what? Actual horns. That hence why it's called a horn, the horn of an animal. This is the ancient horn, if you will, trumpet, if you will, of the Jewish people. <laughs> what is it? It's literally a ram's horn. It's literally a ram's horn. So, what's in your head? couple trumpets, if you will. This horns. That right there is your hippocampus. Your hippocampus is, in, and you can see up there, it looks like two horns. Hence why the ram, the Aries, the lamb, all of this sort of thing. So they're mentioning, hey, guess what? Up in heaven, in the Aries and the ram, in the temple that is your human body, the angels that are the numbers one through nine are going to come down and give you the Kabbalistic revelation. And when that happens, a horn's going to blow. Boom, boom, boom. Because why? Because you'll be receiving the gifts of the lamb. It's the horn that's blown. At the end of days, if you will, right? So... And then there, those, those angels are going to gather together the elect, the people that have, that have stayed the course, if you will, that did not fall for men, you know, men's bullshit. And they're going to gather his elect from the four winds. The four winds represent what, guys? North, east, west, and south. What does that also represent? The four seasons. It's the four seasons. So that, in that sense, represents what? The tetramorph. Okay? You see what's going on here? Send his angels, one through nine, into the Aries, the lamb, and the ram, and the, the horn, the trumpet, the horn of your hippocampus, your Aries that's in your head is going to blow. Because guess what's happening? Enlightenment is happening. Another, in, um, let's not, uh, let's cover this real quick. I just want to show you this because this is called, <laughs> and of course this leads to pie in one way or another, right? So um, this is called Gabriel's horn, and this is allegedly, this is, it's a type of geometric figure that has infinite surface area but finite volume, right? 
And the name um, refers to the Christian tradition where the archangel Gabriel blows the horn to announce Judgment Day. Now, whether this is just some weird sank or not, I don't know. Or if this was like, you know, actually named after because people knew the esoteric meaning of this stuff, I don't know. But Gabriel's horn here, well, as you can see, it's shape of a horn. But it's a geometric figure that has an infinite surface area but a finite volume. And the reason it has an infinite surface area is because that surface area is based on what? Well, it's the circle. It's the circle. And why can't you find it has an infinite surface area? Because of the irrationality and infinitude of pi. Just, you know, once again, that's just kind of a side note there. I just wanted to add that just to, just to show that, okay? So what, another thing that's interesting, they, they didn't say horn, they said trumpet. What's actually happening here? And the, and the Bible will go on to tell you this. He, God is separating his elect from the unelect. He's separating the wheat from the chaff. He's separating those who followed the, the way and the truth and the life and those that didn't. So in this sense, Trump has, has, has two connotations here, right? Because that's exactly what's going on in the story. Trump means to what? It means to fabricate. It means to devise. It means to deceive. It means to cheat. To play the horn, alluding to quacks and mountebanks, right? Acting the fool, trumped up, false, concocted. Right? So when this, this thing is blowing the horn, what's it doing? Just as the rest of the verses will show you what it's doing. It's separating those who are listening to God and those who are not. And when you're listening to God, that horn is in your head. It's in your head. Just exactly where Aries is. Okay? Where am I? There I am. Then it says this. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. Well, we already know that's about Israel. That's about the Jews. That's about how the Jews <laughs> are cursed for all eternity in this sense, right? He literally, Jesus came along and said, there ain't no fruit coming from this baby. And then we see the abomination of desolation is literally in Israel right now. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> so he says, learn the parable of the fig tree. We learned it, Jesus. Thank you. Then he says, when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. In other words, right? And then, well, then he goes on to say, so likewise ye, 2433, so likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Basically, what he's saying is like, hey, man, all that stuff I was talking about last chapter and all the stuff I'm talking about here, everything's desolate. We've got an abomination of desolation in everybody's head. They've all forgotten about Christ. We've got Satanists that are literally proselytizing across the world. All these people, there's wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and people, you know, fighting with one another, all this other shit. You, when, when you see that, because that is a specific um, quality of the time you're in, that's going to be an that's going to be a, a marker to say, hey, this is where you are in your world age. This shit was not going in this sort of sense. The intensity, once again, of what's going on now was not going on 200 years ago, as far as we know, right? So light, and so this says, when you see, so, so what's he doing? He's literally saying, you'll know, he's, he's saying, you'll know the marker of the rough time it is, and I'm going to correlate that, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, make a, a correlation to that, to the seasons. That's exactly what he says. Oh, when you see the parable of the fig tree, when the summer is nigh, and when the branch is tender, that's literally a reference to what? What the, what the fig tree is doing in the seasons. You learn the parable of the fig tree uh, when it's putting forth, it's when it's tender and it's putting forth leaves. Jesus is relating the time of the harvesting of souls, the end of the world age, to the cycle of the seasons. That makes sense. That, that literally is the most rational thing he could possibly say. <laughs> Everything is a cycle. Everything is a cycle. 
everything you experience. And the whole point is to get off the cycle. This is why Polaris is the still point in the heavens. Everything around you is moving and shifting and changing and morphing and evolving and it's going into corruption and it's being destroyed and recreated. And the whole point is that there's a still point in the heavens in which you transmute your soul up and out of all of that. And you're not, you know, you know, as we all have been in the past, you know, knocked around by every, you know, doctrine in the wind or whatever it says, right? Okay. Oh, I keep going back to that wrong one. So, uh, okay, let me keep going. Sorry. <laughs> this next one, these next ones are good. So then it says, ready for this, then he even clarifies even more, especially when you look at the rest of the Bible, what exactly the world age is. And then it's not the end of everything ever. That's not what it is. 2434 says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Once again, the, the fulfillment of prophecy is no different than saying, hey, it's summer, there's going to be a winter. We can't not have the winter. It's part of the season. It's part of the cycle. It's just how it is. And then he says, 2435, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. There it is again. Read it. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Gematria total equals 184. This was already shown to us in this, and I'll explain what all of this means in just a second. I just want to show the math. This was already shown to us previously in the chapter. We already covered this. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away equals 184 in English gematria. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Equals 184. The last verse of the Bible equals 184. What does that tell us? It tells us about the whole story. Who will have the whole story and who won't? The properties of the number 184 leads you directly to what? The 360 degrees of the circle, 360 degrees. It's a reference to wholeness is what it is, okay? So he says these things, and it's absolutely a reference to the cycles of pattern and, and recreation. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass, all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. This is, once again, language that's referencing other places in the Bible and specific other places in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 1, uh, 4 to... Um, uh, I'm sorry, let's go Revelation 21, 21 first. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Why? Because the first heaven and the first earth were what? That world age. And that's gone. That time is no longer. It's never going to be ever again either. That's Revelation telling you specifically about heaven and earth passed away, the first one, and then there's a new one. A new heaven and earth. Then they even said, then they, then here's another way when it says here, when it shows you here, it's like, oh, the, uh, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Here's another way they say it in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 1 4, 1 4, I think this is. One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The, 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 the place, the earth is the soul's testing ground. This is where souls come to do their great work. This is where they come to earn their stripes, to earn their merit, if you will. This is the place that they get the chance to follow evil or follow good, right? 
And that that in that sort of sense, those world ages pass away. They pass away. It's like, oh, well, they, we lived in a different time then. It's a different time now, right? This is, the re- this is more verses in the Bible explaining this. Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? The things of the earth will vanish and disappear. All the stone buildings will all, all of them will get knocked down at one point because this is where, in, this is where corruption is. This is where temporary, temporary reality is. This is where impermanence is. How about I use a word I can actually say? For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into any mind. They come into mind. There's a new heavens and a new earth that will be created in the world age. One generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, because there was a promise made to us, that it's not the end of all things like all of these Christians believe. I just can't wait to the rapture and then there's no more earth. Uh Uh-uh. Chances are, bitch, you're going to be back down here. (laughs) Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Because why? You passed a, a, a world age that was full of evil and, and lies and deceptions and, you know, people try, literally convincing you before you even got out of the womb that you're on a spinning fucking ball. You're not. There's going to be a generation. There's going to be a world age here in which that shit doesn't, that isn't the people recognize who they are and where they are. And in that time, there'll be a new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Amen. Right? And then he goes on to say this, which is the funniest thing out of all this, because people are always like, oh, we're, you, know, you know, it's like the end of the world kind of shit. And it's like, you're not going to know when. doesn't matter. Jesus is saying he doesn't even know. But of that day and hour, no, but of that day and hour, knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. The, the creator that actually created the, the cycle of the world ages, that created the cycle of the sun, literally created everything, he knows. Nobody else knows. The only thing you can do is, oh, look around and be like, well, we might be near that time. Then it goes on to tell you about what? The time of Noah, which is exactly what? When a, new, when a world age sw- shifted. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the sun, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days that were before the flood, before that destruction, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until that day that Noah entered into the ark. Noah was a conspiracy theorist. He said the floods were coming. <laughs> right? Love that meme. So for as that, like everybody was just carrying on, not paying attention to their spiritual world, spiritual life. They weren't concerned about whether they were following the dictates of men or they were following the eternal axioms of God Almighty. They were just stuffing their face and marrying and fucking and whatever it is they do. And they weren't prepared at all. And what Jesus is about to say in these next lines is saying, it doesn't matter what time it is. You always prepare yourself. This is what he's going to tell you. He's saying you can well, you look at the time and watch and pay attention. And I'm not saying that's not a good thing to do. That is. But ultimately, you have to prepare yourself right now. I don't care what age it is. I don't care what eon it is. I don't care if you're poor, rich, when 1800s, 800, 1800 AD or BC, whatever. It doesn't matter. You have to prepare yourself to for the Lord to enter or for you to be taken from this earth right now. And then he also says, you always have to prepare for it because it'll come like a flash. You, you want like, you know, I'll just say this. Um, I, I, I don't know if I was prepared for it at the time, but I definitely did the preparation to receive those flashes.
And they knew not, all those people knew not until the flood came and took them away. So shall also the, son, the coming of the Son of Man be. This is, um, as you know, Noah's Ark. This is once again constellational. Right? Just as we were talking about, as, as Jesus was talking about the false prophets and things like that, we're right back into that section of the sky right here. Noah, the Ark of Noah, I'm going to go over this quick because we've covered it before. A lot of the stuff we covered before, I have to go over it quick because this thing is just so freaking jam-packed. The Ark is, of course, the Argo Navis. That's Carina Vela Pupis. That's the three constellations that make up Argo Navis. That Argo Navis is on the river of the Milky Way, which is, quote-unquote, floods every night in this sense. The Milky Way comes up, and that river floods every night. To the right of it is the Dove Columba. To the left of it is Corvus the Crow. It's all right in the stars right there. No, you don't have to believe some 600-year-old drunk named Noah actually built an ark, and they, re, you know, they, <laughs> they redid it down in Tennessee or Kentucky or wherever the hell it is. Uh, no, that's not what we're doing here. So anyway, so there's the there's Noah and his ark. Once again, constellational. Um, then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Just as we said that trumpet is blown and it's saying, hey, the angels are going to come and get the elect. And it's also blowing to say, hey, there's a bunch of frauds and deceivers and liars. So funny that Trump is named Trump too. I, think, I just think that's funny. God has an unbelievable sense of humor. So what they're saying is, hey, we're separating wheat from the chaff here. That's what we're doing. Okay? Then that's exactly what the Bible says. Then shall two be in the field. What is it? It's the field of stars. I'll show you that in just a second. One shall be taken, the other left. And two women shall be grinding at the mill. We'll get to that in just a second. The one shall be taken, the other left. What is being said here? What is being said here? Okay. Well, obviously, uh, let's just look to the constellations. There's two in the field. Who are the twins? Who are the two? Well, it's Castor Pollux. That's Gemini. That's Gemini. And one shall be taken, the other left. When we actually correlate, um, you know, uh, we've talked about this, like uh, the story of um, Jacob and Esau is a reference to Cain, or excuse me, Jacob and Esau is a reference to Gemini. It's all, all of that sort of thing. Of course, you know, of course, at least according to the Old Testament, Esau and Jacob, we all know that story. Jacob is the special one and Esau is us, us, us goyim, and that sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. That is literally a story of love. God accepts one and then doesn't accept the other, you know. So that's exactly what we have. There's two in the field, field of stars. One shall be taken, the other left. That's a representation of Gemini. There's two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. What's the, what's there, if you look at the ecliptic there, there's Virgo right by Virgo. The constellation that's literally right by Virgo is called Coma Berenices. Coma Berenices is a reference to uh, Queen Berenice II of Egypt. It's called Berenice's hair. I'm, I'm probably saying that incorrectly. My, you know my phonetics suck. No one, that's, that's not, everyone knows that. Anyway, so for Virgo, Coma Berenices, um, which one was taken? Which one was left? Well, just look at the constellations. This Coma Berenices, she's the queen. I'm going to wear a crown and a queen. I'm special. You're living in the world, right? Virgo is the one that's the virgin. That's literally a representation of Virgo Mary, or virgin, you know, the Virgin Mary in this sort of sense. So which one do you think is going to be left and which one's going to be taken? The queen who was all about her queendom and blah, 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 blah. She's going to be left and the virgin of spirit is going to be taken up. Now notice that they said that they're grinding at the mill. Grinding at the mill. Remember when we said that tribulation literally means to rub, to, to etch out the grain, to rub out, to turn. This is what the old, this is an archaic mill. So there's going to be two women. What, what, those women are literally what? 
They're hovering right. One's right on the ecliptic, which is the zodiac, which is what? The wheel of fortune, wheel of fate, wheel of karma. It's the turning wheel in the sky in this sense. They're right by the ecliptic. One's going to be taken, one's left. That's the grinding at the mill. And what are you grinding out? In this sense, you're going through the alchemical process of purification of spirit. And that's what the virgin is. She's the virgin, virgin spirit. And she's lifted up. This is... Um, some of this, some of this, these ideas of like the mill about the zodiac being a mill and grinding out and the soul and that sort of stuff. Some of this stuff is uh, there's smatterings of it anyway in Hamlet's mill, um, and that sort of thing. And if Shakespeare covers a lot of this, obviously Hamlet, blah blah blah. I'm not going to get into that, but there's a lot there. So that's that's the, the the cryptic nature of that grinding at the mill. We're all grinding at the mill. I had somebody recently contact me and say, oh, I'm right, I'm in the I'm in the crucible right now. I'm like, brother, we're all in the crucible right now. <laughs> So then it says this, watch, 2442, watch therefore for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Hour is a reference to what? The sun. It's obviously we know that we've, because if you've been watching, following along, Horus, the god, sun god Horus, is, is where we get the term hours. The sun set is his ant antithesis in this sort of sense. So when it says watch therefore, well, what's a watch? What is a watch? It's, it's like a wristwatch. It's, it's. It's to observe time. It's literally like saying, watch, and then I'm going to give you the term of hour, which is the little sun, and then your Lord doth come. When it arises and arrives within you, and you actually have that revelatory Kabbalistic moment, you're like, boom! Right? And he's also saying what? Just as he's saying throughout this whole thing, it's the message. Be ready always. Get your spiritual house in order today. Always be ready because you never know when the end of the earth is, the end of the world is going to be, the, or the end of your life is going to be. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Never let your spiritual guard down. Don't do it once. The moment you let your spiritual guard down, next thing you know what? That's probably when Jesus is going to show up, right? In that sense. Okay. More constellations. More constellations. And uh, this one's interesting. So 24, uh, 43. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. This is basically just saying the same thing. Never let your spiritual guard down. Watch over your house because you have no idea when the freaking, when it's, you know, the thief might come. But if you would have watch over it, you'd take care of that. This is once again all constellational. Look at the terms. There's a good man, there's a house, and there's a thief. Correct? Those are the basic elements of that, that, well, these next couple lines. This is, the good man is Perseus. And I'll show you this in all just a second. The good man is literally, in, in Greek mythology, this is the, the, the Greek mythological hero. He's like the hero, one of, I mean, one of the main hero figures in the Greek myth. Okay? So we've got Perseus, who is, in this sense, the good man. He's the man of God. That's Perseus who slayed... Um, Medusa, right? That sort of thing. I'm not going to get into that, but of course he had a flaming sword. You see that sword? It's like a, it's almost like flaming. It's like a sword of the spirit of the word of God, that sort of thing. So the good man of the house. So who's the good man? Okay, well we know that the good man is Perseus because he's the man of God. Right below him is what? Well, it was already mentioned in this chapter. It's the secret chamber. It's the house. What's the house? It's the constellation that looks like a house. It's Cepheus. That's the king, by the way. So we've got the good man of the house, 
And right between the good man of the house is Kamala Pardalis. And what does Kamala Pardalis look like? Once again, just look at it. It looks like a dude running. Does it not? Hence why, and then it, ha and then it has a long torso, neck, whatever you want to say. Hence why the constellation is called camel, because camels have long necks. And Pardalis, which is leopard, because leopards are fucking fast. <laughs> okay? So there's camel Pardalis. Look at him. It looks like a dude running. Does it not? Cepheus looks like a house. Does it not? And the good man is the man of God, which is Perseus. And that is the great mythological hero in, in the Greek myths. So there's a good man of the house, and you better watch that house. Because otherwise that thief is going to come in the night and break it up. It's just another way of saying, except giving the constellations, number one, to point right to the Polaris, by the way, the Aries, the pole of Aries. It's just another way of saying, you always got to keep watch of your spiritual house. You always need to be on guard for the thief in the night that's going to come in and try to drop some bullshit in your ears and be like, hey, did you ever consider this theory? Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Oh, you're not thinking, ah, he's not going to show up now. That's exactly, it's just like I just said, that's exactly when he'll show up in this sense. Always be ready. Gives you hour again, which is a reference to light, the Son, the Son of God, the Son of Man, we all know. 2445, who then is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his, his, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give him meat in due season. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord, his Lord hath made him ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Well, who's made ruler over the household? God, Christ. Christ in the Aries, in the Ram, as it already said earlier in this chapter, is ruling over your household. He's on the housetop. You don't need to go back into that house. You don't need to go back down to the physicality and put clothes on. You're, if you're up on the rooftop, you don't need to go back into the house. So who's the ruler of the house? Aries, the Lamb, the Ram, that's Christ. That's the light of the world. Then it says, I've made ruler of his house to give them meat in due season. You're going to give meat. Well, once again, this goes right back to the story of Cain and Abel and the sac sacrificial lamb and all this other stuff, right? What, what, is the, what is the giving meat in season? Number one, season is what? It's a reference to the cycles of time. Cycle of the what? Specifically, the sun. And then it says um, to give them meat in due season. What is the meat that you're giving? What is the offering up? Just like in Daniel in the temple, the sacrificial lamb. Giving the meat in season, made ruler over your household. Why? Because you're a faithful and wise servant. You serve God. And therefore, what do you do? You serve humanity. That's the elect. That's who God is going to pick up. Anybody else, you're left. Now, notice, notice this. It says in the next line, it says, 2446, Blessed is that servant. This is why we call these, you know, I call them sermons and that sort of stuff. I don't call them lectures. It's like, I call them Sunday services. Because everything that we're doing here is to be in service to you guys, to help you understand this stuff, to help you clarify these things, to be no bullshit, to go right for the truth, to not, you know, dilly-dally around topics, to hit them hard, that sort of thing. Because truth, you know, as I would say, truth does not need defending. Truth needs to be lived. We want to live that truth, and when you live it, you're in service. 
I, I don't think there's, you know, whatever. God can speak on behalf of God. I'll let him do that. But I don't think there's a single person that he's going to let up into heaven if all you thought about your entire life was you, 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 you. Even if you did all the wonderful stuff and you did and you were moral and ethical and good and blah, 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 but you didn't focus on that charity, that's not, I don't, you know, I don't think you're getting up there. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. You're going to be doing. You're going to be doing, working, actions. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over his goods. I'm going to keep going here. But, but, that, but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth this coming. Who do you think the evil, ser- this, this evil servant shall say in his heart? He's an evil servant. So he's not serving humanity and he's not serving God. He's an evil servant, which means he's serving himself and his tribe. Who do you think Jesus is talking about? Don't worry, he'll clarify. This servant, this evil servant says, My Lord delayeth his coming. Don't come now, Christ. Don't, don't come now. In other words, like, can we, just, can we just have spring, summer, and fall and just skip winter? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. And this is, this is how it ends. And, shall, and this evil servant who's serving himself doesn't give a shit about anybody, isn't caring about humanity, isn't caring about truth, isn't caring about the light, isn't caring about his eternal life. What does he do? 2449, and, she, he, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, smite him, don't give a shit about you, and to eat and drink with the drunken, just get hammered, not give, just, just like in the days of Noah, carrying on, eating, and drinking. 2450, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he, he looketh not for him and an hour that he is not aware of. That's why we always need to keep our spiritual houses in order and always be ready for that light to, that lamb to show up. And then he ends with this. <laughs> and shall cut him asunder, this evil servant he will, Christ will, 2451, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, we know I'm not even going to bring up the graphic because we've seen it many times before. When Jesus is specifically referring to the hypocrites and when he's specifically referring to a place where these people are going to go that there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, what is he re- specifically referring to? Let's say it all at once. Ready? One, two, three. Zajus. Zajus. That's who he's referring to. That's who currently is an abomination of desolation in Palestine. And that's how he ends this whole thing. The last chapter, he spent all day ripping on the Hebrews. And then this one, he spends all chapter talking about tribulation and who should be, you know, and be ready. And there's going to be suffering and we're going to choose your elect. And then he ends it with saying, guess who's not going to be chosen? The chosen people. That's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm, I'm pro-Jesus, as you can see. So, And that's going to do it for me. Thank you guys all for being here today. Oh, this is the gnashing of teeth. <laughs> I guess I do have the graphic. Hypocrites, cut them asunder, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, anyway, thank you all for being here today. Thank you for um, your time and attention and um, you know, just sticking with us with these sermons. We really appreciate it because you guys go by it. You guys are like those eagles that are flying around that car because you guys go bite, okay? Um, if you'd like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird at Subscribestar. You can help us monthly um, keep this thing going. Um, a phoenix bird, an Aquila bird, a Cygnus bird, or you can become Tom and the Piedmont bird. There's a bunch of eagles right there. See that, Aquila bird? So, and if once again, if you'd like to um, 
Send us any mail donations. Uh, Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. We really appreciate it. And once again, donations, Venmo, buy me a coffee, Cash App, PayPal, and obviously Subscribestar. Um, we are streaming. We should be streaming today. I hope we are. On Rockfin and Rumble and YouTube. And we are? Oh, nice. We are. Look at that. So we are streaming and hopefully moving forward because we do have, we are, we have settled now somewhat anyway, and we do have decent internet. We are hopefully going to continue streaming, you know, every, every Sunday to those platforms. Podcasts, you can get at Podbeam, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Content Safe. Thank you so much, Content Safe, for getting us on BitChute. And we're also available on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. Get the app. Do it. Okay. And then we have the church store for anybody that would like to support us. So thank you um, very much. I think I have um, so do some donations here that I will read, right? Um, uh, Teague Mackin, thank you so much, Mr. Teague. I got a card last week. We really appreciate it. Love you, Teague. Uh, Mark Nelson sent 100 bucks. Thank you so much, Mark. Andrew Masonette, God bless you and Jen. Love you all. God bless you, Andrew Masonette. Um, thank you so much. Alicia Crawford, Thank you so much. Janine M. Grassi. Thank you. Ray B. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Daniel Hagar. V John Vina. The Truth Seeker. Best dang church. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Truth Seeker. Venmo. Uh, Andrew Sutherland. 11 to 12. Christ pulling no punches. Sands per. Thank you so much, Sands. Um, yes. Jennifer McLaughlin. Thank you, Brother Marty and Sister Jen. Thank you. Teach. Yes, we will. Teach and preach. Alex Meter. Killer Sunday sermon. That's what we do here. We crush it. We're crashing. 41, thank you so much. Spicy Sarah, bless you and Jen. All your work has made a difference for our family. Thank you so much. I've been getting a lot more of those messages, by the way, which is really nice that it's actually helping marriages and families and shit. It's like, what? Really? I thought I was just ranting and raving here. Okay, well, that's good. Virginia Murray, 555. Thank you so much, Virginia. Ray Brackman. M24 going brat, going great. Bowen Energy's new world coming. Thank you. Uh <laughs> baby, you said Jared Pooh. You didn't say. He's not okay with that. You're going to need an L there. You forgot the L. You forgot the God in his last name. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. Seriously, so much. Thank you, brother. Eric Hussel this day. Thank you, Eric. Eugene Jacques. Leah Steele. Leah, we love you so much. Angers. Angers, my brother. Love you, Angers. Love you, my brother and sister. Keep building, and when everything ends, your church will live forever in the hearts. That's right. Derek Holloway, Darren Radfelder, excuse me, David Spen, Jeremy Hines, thank you so much. Once again, Jeremy Hines. Jeremy Rouse sends a dollar, and he says, it's not much, but all I have. Thank you for truth. Always, brother, loving you. Your attention and your support is, is, is enough. It is, um, and we thank you. Dollar, that's awesome. Eugene Jacques, once again, Leah Steele, again, I think that may be Maybe from last week. It doesn't matter. Buy me a coffee. Teague Mackin, once again, thank you so much. Rockfin, any word. Constantly need to be reminded all about all this stuff. Yes, we do. Any word. That's an excellent point. Yes, we do. This is the thing. I always say this. I, I, I think one of the main reasons that I, do, I started this was literally so I would have a weekly reminder. I'm doing this for me, not for you guys. You guys are just showing up. <laughs> Seriously, we do. This is why church services, this is why people need a church. People need a church. You don't want to be in my church? That's fine. Our church? That's not my church. I don't own shit. If you don't want to be at this church, that's fine. But you need a place where you are reminded weekly of your spiritual, you know, so that you keep your spiritual house in order, just like Christ said. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. So thank you, any word. Uh, Bernadette O'Brien, I was reporting a wandering Jew. Um, I was repotting a wandering Jew a moment before it was mentioned. Sink. That's hilarious. Wade Hofstetter, keep on keeping on Wade, S.A. Texas. And I think there's another one that came in here. I'm just going to say small acts. 
Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Small Axe. Okay, that's going to do it. Guys, thank you so much. We really appreciate everybody that, that shows up for these sermons. We love doing it, and we'd love to keep doing it. So, And you guys are the ones that allow us to do it, and we are we just feel unbelievably blessed and, and grateful. We, we really are. So thank you. Okay, that's going to do it for me. We're going to listen to another um, Uncle Larry Tom Bukovac song, and it's just an acoustic song, and it's called 13, and it's just really beautiful, and that's going to do it for me. So guys, uh, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. I think next week, I was going to do it this week, but I think I'm going to do it next week, and it's going to be a lecture or a, a sermon, a service called Get In, We're Starting a, we're starting a Cult. <laughs> <laughs> get in, we're starting a cult. And then I'll explain what all that means because <laughs> we're not actually starting a cult. But if, just for hilarity's sake, I, I'm going to call it that. But uh, just some things I wanted to uh, talk about, um, about cults and how they operate and culture. And there's a lot of things that I'm going to uh, cover. So I think we're, we might do that next week. And I'm hoping that we finish the book of Matthew by Christmas. So, okay, that's going to do it. Guys, thank you so much. We love you so much. Thank you for being here. I can't, we can't thank you enough. Okay, that's going to do it. As always, many blessings and much love to all. Let's listen to some Tommy Bukovac, Little Tommy. <laughs>